It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We got major breaking news. Joe Biden has called up U.S. military reserves, the selective reserves and the ready reserves is a big deal for deployment to Europe over the war in Ukraine. We don't exactly know what that means other than uh, people are quite worried that two different uh, reserve uh, groups are being called up for deployment into Europe. I don't know if this means we should be prepared for war but uh, certainly it's a very big deal. So we'll definitely be talking about that. We've got some other big news that may or may not come up. Twitter is now paying people. Yeah, I abruptly got a notification saying they are paying me six grand. And uh, I'm not that active on Twitter. One of the, uh, Brian Krasenstein got $25,000. is huge because with this move of paid partnerships, Twitter is going to become a very dominant platform on social media. One of the only other platforms to offer people a way to monetize their social media presence. Instagram sort of does, but for most people, it doesn't really work. But most importantly, what we're going to be talking about quite a bit today is the film Sound of Freedom, because we're being joined by the people behind Sound of Freedom. Before we get into all of that, however, head over to castbrew.com to support our work by buying our coffee. I got to be honest, Casper coffee is the best coffee I've ever had. We formulated these blends. They're fantastic. Rise with Roberto Jr. Breakfast blend, the light roast, Appalachian Nights, a dark roast. Check these out. They're available in ground or whole bean. You can join the Cast Brew Coffee Club. Buying our coffee helps support the work that we do here. We decided we're going to sponsor ourselves with our own company so we have more control and we don't have to worry about any kinds of cancellations or people getting mad at us. And actually, one of the hopes we have with Cast Brew, aside from the physical locations, is... We want to start sponsoring other channels that we believe in, one, so we can sell more coffee, but actually to provide a guarantee like, hey, if you do this deal with us and we buy sponsorship with you, we will never, never cancel over any kind of weird press stuff or angry activists. But, you know, if we can't sponsor you in the future, it might be normal, but we're never going to cancel somebody. So go to Casper.com, support us. Also, head over to TimCast.com, click join us, become a member, because we're going to have a members only uncensored show. And more importantly, if you've been a member for at least six months or you sign up today for at least 25 bucks a month, you can submit questions and potentially call into the show to talk to us and our guests. And I think that one's going to be uh, amazing. I'm really excited for this. Smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, because today we are being joined by Tim Ballard and Eduardo Verastegui. I got it. You he got nailed it, man. it. You nailed it. I Very was like few. in Eduardo. my head trying to make sure I could get Very it. Very few get Eduardo this. Verastegui. <laughs> there we go, man. You're better uh, than me. Better than I said Tim. Yes, sir. I think everybody knows who you are. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, thanks so much for having us on the show. And uh, so I'm, I'm the, I guess, the subject of Sound of Freedom. Uh, I spent 12 years as a special agent, undercover operator for the U.S. government. Ten of those years on the border. You see that there's, a, there's an important scene in Sound of Freedom where a little kid is rescued at the border. True story. Um, which kind of kicks off the rest of the, the narrative, right? Uh, and then, you know, in, in 2012, 2013... I started discovering something. Well, let me go back to 2006. In 2006, the, the laws changed in, in the United States with the passage of something called the Adam Walsh Child Protect Act. What it did was it allowed U.S. agents for the first time to go overseas. Wow. And we could, if we found Americans engaging in sex with kids, we could hold them accountable as if they'd committed that sex crime in the U.S. So that kind of opened up like 
international operations. And about that time, I went to undercover school, and they sent me in. I'd play the role of a pedophile, a, a purveyor of child sex, trafficker, whatever, and, and we'd go in. Um, but what happened, though, the U.S. government didn't mean to do this, but they kind of tortured me because, uh, I, you know, here, here's the problem. Child trafficking knows no borders and boundaries, but bureaucracies do. And so if I'm down there and I find a kid, I don't care what nationality, I don't care what anything. It's a kid. A kid's a kid. But the laws in the U.S. needed me to find the American. Wow. And so I'd be like, guys, let me finish the case and then we'll find the Americans later. Nope. That's too creative for a bureaucracy. Come home. Several times this happened. It's breaking my heart. And in 2013, I was actually working two cases. Uh, uh, one in Haiti. Crazy story. This little boy named Gardy Marty, U.S. citizen of Haitian descent. Two years old. The family moves him back to Haiti. He is kidnapped out of the church where his father's the pastor. Oh, my gosh. Kidnapped, trafficked. I learned about this story. I meet the father. I'm thinking, this is a U.S. citizen. I can, I can go find this kid. He was born in Utah, and I had been transferred to Utah recently at that point. Um, so I'm working this case. I'm told, come home. You, you, this is a Haitian crime. But I promised the father. Wow. I promised the father I would never stop. At the same time, I'm down in Columbia, and this is the part you see in Sound of Freedom, consulting, and I was given permission, if you listen to the film, it's accurate, I was given permission to consult you know, <laughs> and as you see in the film, I, I went beyond that. <laughs> and then, so then they said, hey, where's the American? Where's the leads? I said, I feel it. It's here. Come home. So that was two in 2013. And I called my wife and I was like, what do I do? Like, my heart is breaking. Like, these kids will be rescued. These kids will be rescued. But if I leave, I mean, I'm the bait. I, you know, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the point on this case. And, um, and, and she, you see in the movie, right? Where is this okay? I'm just going. Yes, you do. Yeah, absolutely. Right. This is why you're here. <laughs> I just keep. But in the movie, Mira Servino, who plays my wife, Academy Award-winning, amazing actress, um, and it's one of my favorite lines in the film because it's so powerful. It's it's much more powerful in real life. But she says, "Just quit your job and rescue those kids, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do it." But that's not what really happened. <laughs> okay, the Eduardo and the team didn't want me to show the the true cowardice that. I actually manifested at this time in, in, in late 2013 because it was my idea. I said, well, Catherine, if I, if I, if I come home, you know, uh, it's over. But I keep my job. I have to quit my job to, to do this. I, I talked to, I mean, I was, I was calling the DHS, like, ethics office. Can I do both? Like, no, you can't do both. You can't moonlight. you got to quit, you know, or, or do the case. Um, and she said, and so her line was supposed to be, well, get your butt home because we got six kids and, and yet we have no money. Like we, you know, we have a couple thousand, you know, stocked away, you know, um, stocked away in the bank or something. And, 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 and she didn't say that. <laughs> she didn't say that. She said, could you save the kids if you stayed there? I said, yes. Yes. And she's like, why? It was almost like embarrassing. Like, why are you even asking me this question? Wow. She said, we have a meeting with our maker. We will be dead in 50 years anyway. She, and she said, I don't care if we live in a tent. These are exactly her words. I don't care if we're in a tent because we lose our house. You have to do this. You have to try. And I fought back like a coward. Like, are you kidding me? What about my own kids? I got to take care of my own six kids. Like, they'll be fine. Um, she finally got to the point where she just gave it to me in one line that didn't make it in the movie because, again, it would have manifested my cowardice. Um, but one line that this is verbatim, it ended the debate. It shook me to my core because she's usually very sweet. <laughs> and 
And she said, and this is a quote, I will not let you jeopardize my salvation by not doing this. And I remember my whole body just kind of shook. I was just like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, that is an incredible there, woman. Yeah. There, is, there is so much. We were already talking before the show and there's going to be more spoilers. So um, somewhat conveniently, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with Europe, which will give us a little buffer zone so I can warn everybody and say, there's going to be spoilers. Uh, I, we're not going to go crazy with it, but I think we definitely need to talk about some of the elements of the film because it was, it was so good. Stories like that. The feeling that I got watching this was I could not believe it I, could, I thought it was just good writing. And then you tell me, actually, those were true. So thank you for, for joining us. We also have Eduardo here. Do you mm -hmm. want to introduce yourself as well? Yes, I am Eduardo Verastegui. Very grateful to be here with all of you. Thank you so much for supporting Sound of Freedom. Thank you so much for this interview. And uh, I'm the producer of the film. Eight years of work. Eight years of work since I met Tim Ballard. I met him in Los Angeles, California. Eight years of work for two hours of your time which is what the movie lasts, and I hope this film keep touching millions of hearts. Five million people already, can you believe it? Unbelievable, five over, million over people show up in the last 10 days. $54 million about so far, and uh, we're hearing more and more theaters are starting to get packed, word of mouth is spreading. This is, the, the stories that, the story you just told, the stories in the film, this feels like more than a movie, this is something more powerful, I mean, I will not let you. What, what did you say? Jeopardize, Jeopardize my, salvation my salvation by not doing this. <laughs> this is wow. This is good amazing. for you. Seriously, that thank is... you guys for coming. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be. I, I would say for the most part, we're gonna be talking all about this. But uh, for the time being, we got yeah. Seamus hanging out. Uh, I'm a cartoonist and animator. <laughs> I don't do anything that impressive. Uh, I write jokes and, and do comedy. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes, and I am really excited to be joined by both of you. This film was incredible. I've been recommending it to my audience and to Tim's audience nonstop. What you've built is, is incredible, and Tim, the work you've done is unbelievably inspiring. Thank you so much. It is, man. And that same conversation, for whatever reason, that was when I broke down the first time in that movie when she said, do it, like, go, go, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's a, it's a moment. Let's keep gonna, moving this gonna, along, gonna, baby. Gonna, Thank you for coming, We're going to do like a 10-minute buffer great, before we get into all the spoilers. God, this is, okay, let's go. Serge Dupree. Yes, uh, I am Serge.com. I'm excited to hear you guys uh, just tell us kind of more about the story in general. And uh, yeah. yeah, let's just get into it, man. We're going to take a quick 10-minute little buffer to give you guys some breaking news. This is from the post-millennial. Biden calls up U.S. military reserve units to deploy to active duty in Europe in Operation Atlantic Resolve. Atlantic Resolve is the official name of the unofficial operation supporting the war in Ukraine. That is to say, reserve military... Actually, let me just pull up the executive order we have right here from the uh, from the White House.gov. Selected reserve and the individual ready reserve of the armed forces are being called to active duty, uh, active duty, to be deployed into Europe. the The uh, official White House.gov statement is by the authority vested in me as president, et cetera, et cetera, and he lists everything I hereby determined is necessary to augment the active armed force of the U.S. for the effective conduct of Operation Atlantic Resolve in and around the United States European Command's area of responsibility. Now. I'm not a military guy. I don't know exactly what this means, but it certainly sounds like we are inching closer to a major conflict related to Russia, potentially a World War III scenario. I don't know what else to say other than what do you guys think about it? Uh, do you guys have any knowledge experience? What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly frightened by the news. I'm probably not the person here who has the most expertise on military and foreign policy, but I think there's real reason to be concerned. Let's pray for this country and hope that we don't get dragged into a third world war, that this doesn't escalate into something that it doesn't need to be. It's like, uh, I believe that there is God. It's like a real... Uh... These last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Uh, structure, something that's happening that's vibrating and causing things to form like they're happening, like chimatics. Cymatics, you see where sound can cause matter to change shape, mm -hmm. and that maybe we're here to talk about this movie because <clears throat> this war stuff is out of our hands. We can only explain it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy time. Yeah, I will, I'll tell you this. I was in, I've been in Ukraine several times last year, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and so my, my perspective is a little different where I, I actually like what Trump said about, I want people to stop dying. Yep. Like, well, let's de-escalate, not, not escalate. Uh, I spent time out there, uh, crazy story. Again, my wife, again, uh, February 23rd, I think it was, last year, Russia invades Ukraine. My wife comes up to me in tears. Oh, my gosh, you got to go to Ukraine and get those kids out. Like, what kids? Well, we adopt children out of Ukraine as part of one of the foundations that she runs called Children Need Families. We had seven kids on the way out. And wow. she's like, go get them. I'm like, oh, I'll call the team. She's like, no, you have to go. I'm like, Catherine. Like, the bombs are dropping. <laughs> like, she's like, I know. And she's crying as she's saying it because she's very deliberate. So when she's irrational, it's God. <laughs> I know that's God when she's saying, and I kid you not, create, and he can verify this story. Three hours later, after Catherine's telling me this, I get a phone call from Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson says, hey, I got these kids in, in, in Ukraine, these orphans who are, I think they're in the war zone. Can you go get them out? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, Two signs right there. Well, when you're, well, I've always been brought up with the notion that if your wife and Mel Gibson both tell you <laughs> to do something, <laughs> you know, you probably you better should, listen. You yeah. better listen. <laughs> anyway, we went out there, worked with a group called Aerial Recovery. I'm on their board, amazing group. 6,000 women and children got out. So the suffering that we saw, and by the way, I won't get into this, except we found a pedophile group that was trafficking children out of Ukraine into Mexico, into Ecuador. Crazy case. Tony Robbins produced a docuseries about it. He's going to be a producer as well, but that's a different story. But my point is, stop de-escalating this thing. The pain that we're seeing, the suffering that we're seeing on the ground, mm -hmm. the part that no one remembers. Traffickers call this harvest time. A war, a hurricane, an earthquake, in the oh, aftermath, harvest time. How is it a $150 billion business, human trafficking? How do you get that many kids into that black market? Harvest time, wars. Hur kids. Hurricanes, earthquakes, and it's happening, and no one, that's the least reported thing. Mm -hmm. Kids losing their parents. Wow. Kids losing their parents. Displaced. 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 A, a, a nice van pulls up. Hey, sweetie, get in the car. We'll take care of you. Next thing, they wake up in, in the Caribbean. Well, like in Haiti. I mean, tell the story when you went to uh, save this little kid, what happened in the orphanage. I mean, that's crazy, man, how 
you know, volunteers from all over the world going to Haiti to, you know, find children that they lost their parents because yep. in one night, thousands of children lost, the, lost their parents, the right? With, with, yep. Wow. They, they, these traffickers just yeah, write, the they just write orphanage on the wall. It's, 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 it's uh, whether you think literally or figuratively, demonic. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it, it is crazy to hear, you, you're, you're telling the story, here we are, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the film and your background, we're talking about the war, and here you are telling the story where your wife and Mel Gibson both call you and say, go save these kids. You know, part of me is like, I'm thinking there's a lot of people who wish they would have some kind of the purpose being laid right before them, you have a job. And I have to wonder, because I would imagine it's kind of scary, but it's also a situation where you can't say no. Exactly, both, both of those. You know, people, <laughs> I'm just as scared as anyone else going into Ukraine or going into these, these places. I'll say this though, God is real and he loves children because every time, once we're on the ground and looking and there, it goes away. Mm. I don't know, I can't explain it, it goes away. And I'm clear-minded. I'm not. I'm not worried. I'm not. I'm not. Be, I'm not afraid to die in that moment. Then afterwards, I come. I just told you I can't watch out of freedom. I, I have. I, I have. A, I have. A, it triggers me. You know. It's. It, it, I, I'm. I'm scared again after. You know. It's like God will bless you in the moment you're doing what He wants you to do. But then, then you got to deal like you got to deal with it before and after. So. What made you decide in the beginning to get involved rescuing kids? Well, I. I. I was my first job was the CIA. I was there through 9/11. And when I learned about Mohammed Atta, who, who was a terrorist across over the border, uh, Mexico into the U.S. and then, and then launched his attack, I wanted to be on that border. So I, I trained anti-traffic, anti-terrorism stuff. I have a graduate degree and a certificate in anti-terrorism. So I got put on that border. That's where I wanted to be. I speak Spanish. Six months later, they asked me to be in the group, child crimes. And I said, no. I said, there's no way I'm going to go on that group. Um, and my wife agreed with me. And then the next morning before I said no, she, she, she didn't sleep all night. She was crying and she said, we have to say yes. Oh my gosh, if, how can we be so fearful of our own pain uh, that, uh, that we would disregard severe pain beyond our comprehension of these children? So, so geez, I don't mean, this is all about my wife today. Yeah. I didn't, I don't, She's an amazing <laughs> woman. So this woman's dragging you to heaven, man. <laughs> and I'm going kicking and screaming. But, uh, hopefully I'm going. If, if, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's inappropriate to say, but uh, if ever there was someone with some kind of divine purpose, mm. this, this, the story that you've told already, I'm like, man, how many people just wish they knew they had that mission, whether they, whether they were fearful of it or not? Like I said, it's probably scary, but you tell these stories and, and so much of it sounds unreal. The line mm -hmm. from your wife, the story from the, we'll get into the film story in a minute, but Man, it, it really does feel like you have a purpose here that you are fulfilling. I, I have to think. I think so. I, yeah. feel, I feel that. I yeah. feel that. Yeah, I mean, you're, um, you're a, a humble man, and you're saying these things about the fact that you were afraid and, and your wife encouraged you, and surely she did, but there are many men whose wives would say, save those children, who'd go, we're not talking about this, honey. <laughs> I, absolutely not. Yeah, that's... Like I said, I, her script was supposed to read, get your ass home because I got too many kids here. What would be like <laughs> in the future? What would be your ideal outcome for you? I, whatever I'm going to do, I'm, I, 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 it'll be attached always to this, to this cause. Because once you see, it's like you can't unring a bell, right? Once you see it, and I'm hoping people are having this experience with Sound of Freedom now, because once you see it, you cannot unsee it. And, and the, to the depths I've gone, 
it would be like I, I could never walk away from from this work, you know, in some capacity. My undercover days are shot for sure. That's you know, yeah. thanks to this guy, he he he, he ruined my <laughs> undercover career. But uh, maybe maybe we'll inspire many more people. That's what we hope. Exactly. Yeah, that's what we hope. Tenfold. That's hundredfold. That's right. Not to ma I mean, outside of that, uh, we we talk about uh, the great work you've done. The film was masterfully done. I thought it was one of the best films I've seen in a very very long time. Just in terms of the production, mm -hmm. the the pacing, the story, everything. I think you guys nailed it. It's it's, you know, if you take a great story and you do it wrong, the story doesn't make it. You make a great film. You hit out of the park. Now that story, that mission makes it somewhere. I think people often underestimate the importance of filmmaking and making sure people feel that emotion in that story. You know, I think for me as a producer, the number one thing that you need to have is the story. The story is like the, is the soul of the movie. Without a good story, you have nothing, right? So when I met Tim Ballard eight years ago in Los Angeles, California, I was with Alejandro Monteverde, my business partner. He's the director of the film, and he's the writer of the film as well, along with Rod Barr. And when we met him and he told us what he does around the world, him and his friends, his, you know, his team, they, they travel around the world undercover, rescuing children that are kidnapped for sexual exploitation, kids that are being abused 10 to 15 times a day for many years. And then after that, sometimes they, they, you know, they, they don't want them anymore because there's, you know, they're not you know, they're not fresh meat any, anymore. That's, that's the vocabulary that they use, right? So they go to uh, this second business, which is organs traffic. They open them and they sell their organs. So when you heard things like this, man, you, you cannot look the other way around anymore. You, you, you have to do something. And, and I remember like yesterday when Tim Ballard looked at me and he said, Eduardo, Alejandro, I know it's very sad what I'm telling you. I know that it's very sad what I'm telling you about these children, the pain that they're going through, but it's more sad now that you know it. If you do nothing, what are you going to do? And, and I knew at that time in Alejandro as well that we, we, we had to do something. Well, we're filmmakers. We have a weapon of mass instruction and inspiration, right? Well, let's make, let's make a movie because movies move people and media influence how people think. But let me ask you a few questions first. This is a global problem, right? Yes, especially U.S. and Mexico. U.S. is the number one consumer of child sex. Mexico, number one provider. Okay, okay, team. You live in the most powerful country in the world. You have the technology, the intelligence, the money, the, the, you know, the army, the police, everything. How come we don't finish this problem in the United States? And he said, because it's not a priority. It's not a priority. We are not the solution, Eduardo. I can be the solution for one child, for 1,000, for 3,000. We're talking about millions of children around the world that are kidnapped for sexual exploitation. We need a movement. And that's when I realized, hold on a second, hold on a second, you know, a movie has the potential to start a movement. So let's make a movie. Tell us what's the most difficult rescue mission you've ever done in your life. The most dangerous, the most successful one. He said, Cartagena, Colombia, the first one. Tell me the story. And he tells the story. And then we ask him, what happened when the kids were rescued? Oh man, they were crying. There was tears in their eyes. They were celebrating their freedom by, by singing. It was like this sound of freedom. That's the title and that's the story. Then Alejandro, right after, he started writing the script for three years. Three years of uh, uh, Alejandro's uh, life. And you know what happened to him right before he started writing the script, man? His father and his older brother got kidnapped in Mexico. And, and they killed him. Alejandro Monteverde wrote Sound of Freedom with so much pain, man. He put his soul, his blood, his suffering in that movie. And I know when people see this movie, Sound of Freedom, they feel the pain of the kids. They feel the sacrifice of Tim Ballard. 
they feel the pain of the writer, Alejandro Monteverde. And we are honoring his father and his son with this film too as well, who are in heaven, along with my father who passed away, passed away last year. I want to jump to this right here from Box Office Mojo. Sound of Freedom, though it's been attacked relentlessly by many in the media, it has cracked 50 million with a current domestic box office of $53,922,551. A massive success. Through word of mouth, more and more people are starting to see this film. It looks like the amount uh, of uh, gross revenue being generated is increasing, whereas most films have their big blockbuster weekend. It goes down. This is the inverse. I think this film really is potentially a, a starting a movement. More and more people are, are getting active, focusing on the issue. More and more people care about the issue. There are creepy people in the media that are smearing it as <laughs> QAnon and other weird things. But get this. Even with that, on Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, which is the official corporate press reviewers, give it a 75%. That surprised me. The audience gives it a 100% with over 10,000 verified ratings. Wow. I got to say, we have been praising this film I think not only was it masterfully done, it is an entertaining film. It, it captures you. It makes you feel. At the same time, that feeling matters. I watch, I watch movies every day. I watch a different movie every day. I've gone to the theaters. Yeah, I might get a tear in the eye or something for a good scene. I might get excited for a good scene, but none of it matters. You know, I know that Captain America fighting somebody is just fun. But when I watch a film that's based on a true story, and I see a scene in that film that I couldn't believe was real, and I'm, I'm tearing up. I was, let me, let me put, let me put it this way. Cause we're going to start getting into spoilers now. There is a, a part of the film. So a uh, uh, warning to all of you who still want to go see the movie and don't want to see, don't want to hear spoilers. We're telling you right now, but for everyone else who did, we're going to start getting into some of the finer details so we can better understand this. Cause I want to, I want to talk about one of the most powerful things I've, I've made reference to in the uh, two weeks or a week or so ago. It is when you rescue this kid on the border. So again, spoilers. Here we go. You are talking to this child. You tell the child your name. And the kid looks up at you. And he says, Timoteo. He has a necklace that was given to him by his sister. With St. Timothy, I believe is, is the... Uh, what was it? First Timothy? is a, First Timothy 6.11. Scripture reference, yeah. And, he t and, and when I saw that... First of all, my name's Tim. So I was just like, Whoa! Like, that's crazy for me to hear. And your name's Tim, too, I know. But, yeah. like, I'm watching this movie. This kid is being rescued from this evil, evil man and this organization. You say, this is my name. And then he pauses. And it seems to be some kind of, like, divine intervention when he says, look what I have. As if you were sent specifically to save him. I was on the verge of tears when I saw that happen. I said, I'm like, yeah, but I wish that really happened. <laughs> and then you told me it did. It happened. And, I, and I told Alejandro, I said... Because I have the necklace. I mean, I have it. It's a so it's like priceless to me. I have it in a vault, you know. And I took it out for my po for to do podcasts and things. I should have brought it here, but um, I said, "Don't put this in because no one's going to believe it. Then it's going to come off weird." And what are the chances? And and um, and and people still don't think it's real, but they still like it. So he was right. But it's great to be able to say it actually happened. And it was a strange moment where um, uh, the. He, he, you know, it, and it's very accurate. It didn't happen in, in the garage like you see uh, in the film. It happened in a different room uh, in the aftercare center. But he runs to me and he hugs me. And the part that didn't, they didn't pick up in the film is we were sobbing. I'm shaking. And he's shaking. And that's before I got the necklace. That's before. He, he just starts grabbing me. And he says to me, um, and I think 
Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. This was the kind of transformational moment for me because I didn't know if I was going to stay in this work. Um, especially after this. This is the first kid I ever saw, by the way, who was in a video. Before that time, I'd only done videos, like you know, end user, you know, possession cases of child exploitation material. This was the first time when I saw this kid, I, I knew him. I recognized him. I had seen him being raped, full, like a 30-minute video. And the, his captor was the guy in the video. So I'm already on heightened, like, oh, my gosh, it's a real kid. This is, you know, I'd never, I'd never seen it. And, and so we're, I'm coloring with him, okay? Prager U, you know Prager U? Oh, yeah, Dennis Prager. Today, today Prager U launched a, a series called Light in the Darkness where they have me telling some of these stories. This story's told and, and, and is dramatized in a really cool way, and it's more accurate. This, and we're sitting there, and we're coloring, and I'm trying to get him to talk because where's your sister? Where are the other kids? Like where, He's five years old, right? And, and up until that point, we'd just been kind of friendly. We got close. You know, he, he started trusting me. And it was like just like this, like something just turned on in him. And he just ran over to me and jumped into my arms. Like almost like, again, it was like an angel said go or something. Like he was, it, it, he didn't ease into it. We were just coloring. And then boom, he gets up and runs to me. And he jumps into my arms and he starts shaking, crying. And I'm crying. Like I just lose it. You know, I've got kids his age, you know. And you start picturing your own kids. You superimpose your kids' faces in the moment, right? Um, and he says these words to me. And it just it is I could I knew at that time that the, the stats were millions of kids. So I heard him say this. It's like I heard echoed millions of kids saying this. And it's a simple phrase, but a five-year-old should never have to say it. And he just said, "I don't belong here." Can you imagine a, a five-year-old kid saying, "I don't belong here"? No five-year-old kid would even think to say that. And you know, and and he knew he belonged with his family, and and that's when he pulled the necklace. And he he said, "This is my my sister gave me this." And I, I, I didn't take it. I was just like, oh, no, 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 you keep it. He gave me a little card, too. You see the card in the movie? He, yeah. gave, he gave me the card, too. And, and, and I took it home, and I was so broken up. I went home, and, and PragerU gets into this in, their, in the series as well. They just launched it today. Um, and I, I go home, and I fall down. I, I fall down on the I, – I live 10, 12 minutes from the border. Like, you know, it's all – it's a small town. And I fall down, and the dichotomy of the whole – I walk into my house. My kids are happy. And they're playing, and they're 10 minutes away from this kid who has spent the first five years of his life being sexually assaulted and, and videotaped, you know. And my kids are happy, and they're only 10 minutes away, and I couldn't deal with it. It was like the underbelly of my own town, like, and that's everybody's town. And it was so hard for me 
Remember, this is the first kid that I've seen. And I, I collapsed on the floor. And Catherine thought I was like having a heart attack because I, I, I'd never had this happen. I was exhausted too. It, I, it was 48 hours or longer. I hadn't slept because the case was so intense. And she didn't know details, but she kind of cradled me, like kind of held me, you know? Um, and she was like, what is going on? And I tried to like get it out. And I, that's when I made the decision. I, I said, Catherine, I'm either in a thousand percent or I'm, I'm, a, I'm a thousand percent out. Like I have to make a decision right now because this is too much. Then my other kid, who's about the same age as this little boy, who plays, Miguel's not his real name, but in the film, my kid who's his age takes the necklace. He's like, what's this? And my kid's Jimmy. And he says, what's this? And, uh, and I said, oh, this kid gave it to me. I can't tell Jimmy all what's going on, you know? This kid I just helped. He's like, oh, cool. He's looking at it. We call him Curious Jim. He's a very curious kid. He's very touchy. He looks at everything. He's like, oh, the kid put your name on it. Wow. I didn't see it before. Um, it says man of God on one side. On the other side, it says 1 Timothy 6.11 with, with that scripture. And he's like, how did, it, how did he put your name on it, Dad? I'm like, oh, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. And then he shows it to me. And there's like, boom, my, there's my decision. That's, it's a thousand percent in. I know that for the sake of filmmaking, you guys had to do it the way you did and it was masterfully done. But that story, I'm sorry, is just told naturally. Is a be mm -hmm. It's better. Here you are not realizing what you've been given. You go home and you're saying, we make this decision. And then your kid's like, he gave you your name tag. Yeah. Oh, brother. I don't, I, I just want to say, as I'm hearing all of this, uh, I, I, I don't follow any particular religion. I do believe in God and, and atheists or whatever can call me naive. They can scoff, but I don't know how you hear a story like this, how you watch a film like this, how you hear about the work that you've done, how you see a movement like this and believe that there's not something out there, something more powerful. This I can only describe as, and, and I'm not, maybe it's not for me to say, but I can say divine it. intervention. I can say it, brother. I mean, all glory to God. I'm hugging the American dream right now as a Mexican filmmaker. Eight years of work, so many obstacles, so many people saying you can't do this, this is too dangerous. Team telling me, brother, before you guys commit to do this, I need to tell you something. We have a lot of friends, but we have a lot of enemies too. And those enemies will be yours. <laughs> Are you sure you wanna do this? And I closed my eyes for a second. I said, what if this is my son? What if this is my daughter? What if this is, what if this is my, my niece, my, my nephew, what would I do? You know, it was like, it was just imagine that. I will stop everything that I'm doing. I will hope that, I will hope that the entire world will stop everything they're doing so they can help me to find my son, my daughter, my niece, my nephew, right? Okay, so that's my motivation. Don't wait until this tragedy happens to you for you to wake up, right? Wake up now, do something. And, and, and I can't believe that, you know, Angel Studios is the smallest distribution company in America, <laughs> right? So after three years of everyone passing, like, no, this is not for us. No, this movie is not a business for us. Uh, this is not a good business for us. This is not for us. So three years of like doors being closed and closed and closed and closed. And you have two options. Either you give up or you don't give up. We choose the second one. We don't give up. Why? Because it's about saving children. What if this is your son? What happened after? I, I'm praying for God to send an angel to rescue this film. And I got a phone call from Angel Studios. Hey, uh, we're very interested in your movie. Do you have any other options? No, you're my only option. Okay, well, let's close the deal. Five <laughs> days later, we sign a contract. And okay, th this is three and a half months ago. 
right? Three and a half months ago. And then, okay, when, when, when are we coming out? July 4th. What? <laughs> Brother, we don't have, I mean, we don't have, like, money for publicity or marketing. This, the biggest films in the world are going to come out July 4th, week before and week after. Mission Impossible. Indiana Jones competing with the biggest company in the world. Uh, they have hundreds of millions of dollars. Are you kidding? Eduardo, it's very important July 4th because it's Independence Day. Freedom. We need to shake the conscience of America because, yes, let's celebrate, let's celebrate freedom in one hand, but let's do something else so we can bring freedom back to those children that are not free, brother. Let's do something. We never thought that July 4th, Sound of Freedom was number one movie in America. This is a miracle. We, all glory to God. Amen. People like to make jokes that we live in a simulation. Yeah. And it's because reality seems to be too absurd. We've had so many weird goings on in politics of President Donald Trump. And so you'll see many of these individuals who are secular atheists tweet things like, I hope the writers of this season, you know, do X, Y, or Z as if to imply there is someone with greater power over us that they're starting to believe. Yet I always find it funny that they could entertain such an idea without realizing, like, you're literally talking about divine purpose or God. I bring that up because seeing, seeing the movie, hearing the stories, it feels, like I, like I mentioned, the Timoteo necklace thing, I'm like, that was masterful writing. I wish it was real. Well, it was real. And then you start to realize that some things in life are, are, are so miraculous that you would assume it was written to be a story that it never could really happen, but these things do happen. When that kid, when you, when you told the story of the, uh, of the little kid saying, I don't belong here, no five-year-old should say that, my thought was, why would a five-year-old say that unless what was happening was so out of alignment with the, the law of nature, whatever you want to call it, with, with, the, with God's plan or whatever, that there was direct intervention to correct this evil and set it right? Absolutely. And little, little did I know, you know, like when you get into the Columbia scene, and I remember being in Columbia and... I'm meeting these guys, and this is after I've left the government, and it's our, one of our first big operations. And, and I remember thinking, man, like, no one believes me. Like, I go home and tell them, I've, my family and friends, I have a very small audience at this time, right? This isn't real. Like, 11-year-old kids, people want to have sex with 11-year-old, come on. And I remember thinking, I was going through a whole island scene, and you see the whole Columbia scene. Most of the movie, it's filmed on location, by the way, where these things happened, including this, the van scene with the kid at the port of entry. They filmed it. Homeland Security gave us permission to film right in this very place where it happened. That's, that's why I can't watch the film. It's too much for me. But I remember thinking, I wish I had, a, I wish I had cameras in my eyes. I remember having that thought. And that millions of people could watch what I'm seeing because they don't believe it. And so who would have thought, like I said, another miracle that – like eight, nine years later, literally millions of people would see it through my eyes through because of this guy. Thanks to uh, God, man. And uh, to you for your sacrifice, Tim. And because if he, uh, meeting a hero, a true hero, it changed your life. No, but you know? here's the thing is I'm not that because I love history, okay? We had slavery in this country at a time. Horrific. Nothing worse than the transatlantic slave trade. How did it end? Uh, you know, we, we can rescue one with a hundred thousand, whatever, just like Harriet Tubman, who's my hero of all time. But who ended it? And it wasn't even Lincoln. When Lincoln met Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin for the first time in the middle of the Civil War, he said to her, so you're the little lady that wrote the big book that started this war. Wow. He was, what he was saying was, because he at that point in 1862, he had changed the purpose of the Civil War to just bring in the Union back to, no, we're going we're gonna to use this to liberate 
the captive. And, and it was Harry Beecher Stowe, Frederick Douglass, Harriet uh, Tubman, all the, the great abolitionists. They changed it. They converted him to the true cause. And so he, I, I, I'm so tired of you calling me like a hero or whatever because like, what's going to end this thing is you and you and you. Like The storytellers are going to end this. I can't do it. I can, the storytellers change culture. And this, I mean, look at the screen. It's $53 million in 10 days. Five million people in 10 days. Like, this could change history. Yeah. And yeah. this could change it. More films, more movies, more culture building, more change. You know, like, what? Th th this, is, this is beyond just this one story. One of the reasons I'm so adamant about telling people to go see this is that Hollywood is some dark, dark stuff, man. Mm -hmm. we, we've seen these actors come out and talk about what happened to them in Hollywood. There have been some recent stories of uh, uh, celebrities when they were kids, how they were abused and exploited. That's an evil place. And, and, and not everybody there I know. I've, I, I know people who work there, but there's got to be a way that we can build something else. And this is a path towards that as well. I wanted to, I wanted to add, though, uh, I'll say a couple things. In the beginning of the film, uh, Jim Caviezel and you, obviously, in real life, had to watch these videos. I don't know how you do it. I, 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 there, that scene where the other agent says, I don't think I can do this. I'm thinking to myself, how is a job like this possible? Because, spoilers, I, I know I warned you, in the film, I don't know how true to life the, the direct lines are or whatever, but uh, your character, you know, you, you, you go to this pedophile and you say that in watching these films, you can't help but be attracted to yeah. it. And I'm, I'm watching this thinking like, the, the I, I don't see that as being a, a physical, poss mental possibility for me. I imagine that if, if, if I was in a circumstance, I'd quit on the spot. The moment anyone tried to bring anything up, I'd punch the monitor. And I got to be completely honest. Watching this film, I'm in the middle of it, and I'm thinking, am I wrong about the death penalty? And I, that, that's how seriously I was moved by this. I'm very anti-death penalty, but seeing this message made me really just start to think about what the Founding Fathers meant, how they went through this, what, is it, what does it really mean? And it really challenged my, my moral views on how, how we deal with crimes like this. The, the, that, that, that's, that's, that's how I'll phrase it. And, and ultimately, I would say I'm still very much opposed to death penalty. But when you watch this, it challenged you. It, it challenged, challenged me same. like it challenged these, these people and the crimes they have committed against children is the most heinous thing in my mind imaginable. Yeah. You, you, you talk about passion murders and, and things like that, and those are at, at, at the top. Murder being one of the worst possible things you can do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when, when it comes to a lot of these crimes of passion and planning, there is some underlying purpose about greed. There's some, there's some you know, uh, sin, uh, uh, one of the seven deadly sins associated with it, and that's why it's near the top. But this abuse of children, mm -hmm. I think the worst crime imaginable. Yeah. And my view is if, if murder of an individual warrants the death penalty, why would not this, the most heinous of all crimes imaginable? And uh, that, that's, that's, a, that's a deep challenge for me. Ultimately, where I land the death penalty is I just don't trust the government enough mm -hmm. to accurately yeah. deal out well, justice. Mi minimum minimum 100, 100 years of jail. Minimum. Yes. For anybody. 
But that's the, who steal the innocence and the purity of a child, locked up forever. The, the it's, fact it's that there minimum, are minimum, minimum. The fa there are people who have abused children, who have been convicted of abusing children in a court of law, and have served their sentences, and now they're just out in public. How can you serve a sentence for that crime? How can we exactly? It has one of the highest recidivism yeah. rates. That's true with sex crimes generally speaking, and they just let these people back out on the streets. Would you like there someone like one, that to be your neighbor if you have a child? Yeah. Well, this is so. This this happened too. Uh, I've talked about this before. Brian Peck. He was convicted of abusing a child and then after he was released from prison what the court said is he was not allowed to work with children he previously worked at the Disney Channel the Disney Channel hired him back but to speak to them over the phone and consult over the phone so he wouldn't be around children wow. why why is this man out of prison why does this man have a job why would these networks want to continue working with him it's sickening so what I want to ask and I actually do think it would be uh, I'd like to bring Ian into this one uh, I, I don't even know how to ask it but you mentioned that before you rescued this kid, you have to watch these videos. Yeah. How could you possibly? So, so I'll tell you, I, I have a million holes burned in my brain. That's how I describe it. And yes, that, one of the hardest scenes for me to watch is in fact the scene where, you, where, you know, you, where Jim's crying. It's, I can't tell you how real that is. I don't know, a couple thousand hours maybe, over 10 years, having to watch these videos. And these aren't, you know, I remember talking to my, a friend once and they're like, Oh, come on. I mean, how can you tell the difference between a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old? I'm like, you think that's what child porn is? Child exploitation material, we call it? Bro, we're talking seven, six, five. We don't have time to get into, like, adolescent minors. Like, it is, there's been a 5,000% increase in those kind of sex videos in the last just decade. And it's, and it's only going up. Uh, and, and so that burns a hole in your brain. And then the other thing that burns a hole in your brain is undercover work. And that is true. The story is true. The Oshinsky character, very real case. I provided Alejandro with a one hour and 20 minute interview where I'm talking to this guy, special agent Tim Ballard, talking to Oshinsky, and he won't break. And he is a pedophile, like extraordinary. He's got two million pieces of child exploitation material, videos, everything, categorized, cataloged, just like you see in the film. And he won't break. He won't tell me that he, where he was hiding it. He was hiding it in his house, in the floorboards. We ended up finding it. How I broke him. I kicked the agent out. I said, hey, give me, let me try this. This is crazy, crazy idea. I'm, I'm wired up. And I start going into what his literature is. I read his books, his stuff online. Every man is a pedophile, but the puritanical society has crushed the human spirit of sexuality and blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's test it. And I went in. I went in and tried to convince him that I am, you know, I, it's, easy when I'm, it's easier when I'm Brian Black. That's one of the undercover names I once used. Or, you know, you get to be a different person. This was me being undercover as me, Tim Ballard, special agent, closet pedophile, and how can I help myself? Because I have the largest collection of child exploitation material on the planet in, in the evidence vault. He fell for it. He fell for it. And I, and I, sent the, I showed Alejandro, I said, well, listen to this. He called me freaking out. He was shaking. He was like, bro, I can't believe this guy, how sick this guy is and how dark you had to get. And he's like, I got to figure out how to take an hour and 20 minute interview and reduce it to like two minutes. And you see how he does it in the movie. He does a pretty good job with the cigarette. I won't say more, but that's a very real thing. That burned another million holes in my brain. I, wanted to th I, I walked out of that and I th it shows Jim splashing water. I walked yeah. around the side of the house and I vomited mm -hmm. at, outside, right by the tire of my car, I remember. I vomited. And uh, you meant, there's, there's a line... The Jim Caviezel says you mentioned was was ad libbed. Yes, it's so it's so good. I, I that scene was absolutely incredible. Yeah, Do when you, people are cheering for the for the good guys in that, I'm I'm. But uh, Ian, the reason I wanted to uh, 
bring you into this is Ian used to moderate for a social media website. I don't know the degree to the awful things you, you saw in doing moderation. Didn't even not even hold a candle to what you've been through, man, or what you've seen. It was I'd see every once in a while I'd see a leg get blown off. I, I'd see I didn't ever see a little kid naked. And I don't ever want to. Uh no, no. But it was I had to it broke me after and I kept doing it and it kept breaking me and then I I just kept doing it because it was one point I had to. Someone had to do it. I don't think human minds are, cap are supposed to be able to look at that stuff. No way. Not they they say for. that uh, people who work at Facebook and these social media platforms, this kind of stuff gets uploaded. Mm -hmm. You know, to varying degrees. I'm not saying just one kind of awful content. There's varying degrees of really bad stuff from someone just getting mercilessly attacked to murdered to child exploitation. And there are stories about these Facebook employees who are completely traumatized mm -hmm. from working this job where they're trying to remove this stuff. And I think people should realize... That, that was one of the reasons I think the film is so good because that issue right there, like understand, man, there are, there are people who, if, if you don't watch it, how do you stop these guys? You've got to prove in a court of law. You've got to have them arrested. You have yep. to have them stand trial. And the evidence has to be shown. That's right. Well, Tim, I, I don't. You want to share, like, for example, this is, this is not in the movie because, I mean, it's very difficult to make a movie about this guy when he's telling you, like, so many beautiful, powerful like uh, stories, you know, about saving children, and you have only two hours. I said, brother, we need to we need to do a TV series because I need like 200 episodes to tell your story, you know. So that's why it's very difficult. But that, when someone asks you, what is the hardest thing ever happened to you, and you and you said, well, smiling, smile to the face of evil. Yeah. Can you explain because that happened there, but it's not in, in the movie. But that is like, man, when you share that story, yeah. I was like. I would have killed the guy. Well, that's the part about the the other million holes in your brain. Like, it's one thing to see the images, but then you got to hang with these guys, and you got to hang with them for months sometimes. And you're your I, I, you hang out all day, all night. You're you're you are their buddies, your business partners. And how do you do it? Like, this messes with your brain because you, you they, there's chemistry with the brain, like connection, right? There's yeah, you can't fake it. So you have to like dig down hard and find the humanity in them, the something good redeeming in their in their heart and there's usually something and you got to like grab it and tr and try to love it <laughs> because you can't fake it that long. Do you there's, think there's real, real, sorry, oh, yeah, there's a, a scene in the film where you're on the island and the, the Don, I think his name was right. Tries taking one of the Carne, kids yeah. and you intervene. Your character intervenes. Yeah. It's the scene with lucky landslots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Where you're trying to sting these guys, save these kids. Law enforcement is ready. But before, before the rest of the kids arrive, because you don't know where they're at, this guy tries to rape a child. <laughs> your character, I don't, I don't know if this is absolutely true as to how it happened or whatever, but your character intervenes and says, no, this one's, this one's mine. And the guy puts a gun to his head and says, step out of the way. Yeah. And that's a scary thought that, I don't know, you can answer to this, circumstances where you have to collect information to shut these guys down. But if you stop them in the moment, mm -hmm. you jeopardize the whole mission. Yes. And it could put 100 kids' lives at risk. But that kid right there needs saving now. Right. I, I could not imagine how you make a, 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 a what you do in, in a moment like this other than, I would assume, just save that kid. But 
it's tough, man. You, I'm you, not a- you, what you have to do is ahead of time set it up so you don't find yourself in those situations. So in, in full in full transparency, that scene was was fictionalized. Um, it, I, it was a cool scene, right? Because it, it was it, it brought this intensity and it it showed me and Vampito working together, which is that's true in spirit. How we work together. He's a very real guy, the Vampito character, very real. Uh, and um, but you, we we plan out ahead of time to where on that operation and others like that, we would never actually like let them be in the same space. Yeah. So we put the kids somewhere else. Candy games. We have operators, female operators who are nurses pretending to be the groomers. That, that that's what the traffickers think. Getting the kids ready, and then we separate. We lure them with the money. If you want the money, you better come over here. One time we did an op where we put the, we put a yacht out off the coast. You got to come to the yacht, and we're gonna do the deal out there. That's how far we'll separate them. So those kind of things never actually yeah. have to have yeah. to happen. Did you so. um having spent time with like pedophiles, pedo? Pederos, because file, file means love, like familial love. Philia is like love of friend, mm-hmm. but right. it's eros, it's erotic love. That correct, these, yeah. Pederos, like pederos, is that what they call it? That, that's well, they they don't, but they should. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Do you find that there is a road to redemption for people that have gone through that? <laughs> I I want to say yes because I love redemption stories, but I've never seen it. I've never seen vampiro. A little bit. Well, Vampito actually bit. didn't. He actually didn't uh, rape a rape a child. He was he was having he was involved with a prostitute who was selling her child. Mm-hmm. And when he saw that, so Alejandro played with that a little. bit. Yeah, you're bit. right. He, he thought it was but, like an older, and then when then he yeah so found this, out that this, she was like 13 years old, right. and that's when he said, "Oh my gosh, I'm looking." But myself. I don't think he actually was with somebody who was underage. No, he I'm was. Saying. He was actually yeah. never with someone underage. So right. this for those that haven't seen it. You know, for context, I know it is spoilers, but uh, this is someone you are working with to try and stop the, yeah. the exploitation of kids. Mm-hmm. Correct. The yeah. reason I ask if there's a road to redemption, or you would think, is because, like Tim, you mentioned it, it tested your morality, your 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 thoughts of the death penalty started creeping in. And when I was watching yeah. the movie, I was thinking surveillance state. Why don't we have a surveillance state to watch for these and to take to prevent this stuff? And like. Because a surveillance state would be horrific. And you were saying you wish that you had cameras in your eyes. Like, they can do that. That could be the future. But I don't think that's better. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because Epstein was a real guy. And when we make laws and we give power to government under the assumption it will always be good, bad people find a way to exploit that power in some way in very, very awful and dangerous ways to the point where Epstein was actually, uh, I think he was caught early on and he got some kind of sweetheart deal and then was released. Now you've got, well, Epstein's no longer here, but he's arrested. Maxwell was convicted. And so we think that we enact these laws. A surveillance state, for instance, will stop them. No. Sooner or later, a bad person exploits the system, takes advantage of it. And now we're underneath them wielding that power against us, which makes it very difficult. So there's got to be some balance. I'm not going to pretend to be the expert on how we do it or how it should be done. But we have to be careful about giving too much power to one institution or organization, lest it be wielded in negative ways. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because I think what a big part of the solution is, like you were saying, like the, uh, it's the it's the the storytelling. It's letting people know that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm like chomping at the bit, like what is it? Just more undercover sting operations? What? It is, and I'll tell you why. After that operation in Colombia happened. Um, again, I wish the film were 10 hours so you could see everything that happened. Um, we went back 
that was such a big hit. In fact, it was underreported in the film, 54 rescues. It was 120 rescues in wow. two different locations. And there's a documentary, DNA Films. It's an Emmy-winning documentary. No one's seen it yet. Angel Studios is putting it out called Triple Take. And it dissects everything that happened on that island. But after we did those three hits, 120 rescues, 15 traffickers down, um, we went back under different undercover faces. We sent them in and asked the same people who otherwise would have introduced you to the traffickers and and everyone was like don't even talk about that don't you know what happened these americans came down don't you got to see the papers and we're just inside going it's working yes it's working <laughs> for the first time these guys are looking over their shoulder for the first time there's some kind of a consequence that can can make the barrier to entry into this black market of child slavery you know too high to entry I I do love them saying the Americans came down. They're scared. They know that there are people who will stop them. Right. I love this story, man. The, the, the idea of some kind of divine intervention and the idea of just the plain old physical reality in which you are saving kids, you are telling this story, gives me hope, makes me believe in the good, mm-hmm. makes me feel like, you know, I don't understand how someone out there could be a nihilist. Someone out there could be uh, pessimistic about where we're headed. There are bad people out there, but these are the stories that give you hope. And I hope people, for one, go see this movie right now, well, as soon as possible. Bring your friends and family. But I hope people are moved by this to the point where they, in some way, get involved. The message at the end of the film from Jim, and um, from you guys, about this could maybe inspire people the way Uncle Tom's Cabin did. I love it. This, this, uh, uh, the issue of trafficking often comes up uh, in the film Nefarious. Have you guys seen Nefarious? Not yet. I, I, I recommend gotta it. see it. Yeah. Very good. More of like a, a talking piece, but there's an excellent line, spoiler alert, it's been out for a little while, where, you know, this guy, this, this psychiatrist thinks he's this virtuous dude, and then the demon says, there are more people in slavery today than when slavery was legal, and then he says, I don't know how many, a, a large portion or like more of them, most of them are sex slaves. And, and you sit here thinking that you're doing good, that, that humans have improved. And that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, we need to stop. We need to figure out how we put an end to this. And it's only going to happen if people are moved to believe in something. I often talk about why there's crime. We talk about rising crime in cities. And I say it's not the laws necessarily. It's our, it's our, moral, it's our cultures. It's our moral framework. If people who live in these cities don't care, if they're going to stand by and just watch the crimes happen, if the police aren't going to intervene to arrest people, if laws are actually being put in place or precedent that stops people from saving the day, you will continue to see this stuff degrade. But if more and more people hold in their hearts that certain things should not be there, unthinkable, and we will do something to stop it, it becomes normal. And then you stop it. There will always be evil, but I think we've, for the longest time, at least in my life, so much of what we've seen in, in big cities, especially with the rising crime is, not my problem, leave me out of it. I hope this film has the, the effect of making people not feel that way mm. and say, we're going to be active, we're going to do something. It's happening. It's happening. I mean, I have never seen in my life so many people that they go, they go to see Sound of Freedom and when they leave the theater, they videotape themselves and they share their testimony with tears, crying, their heart are, are speaking, and then they share that with all their, you know, their followers. Those are our posters because we don't have a budget for posters. But we have millions of people talking about this film, and that's the movement. No one can stop this movement any, anymore. They can, they can stop Tim. They can stop me. 
they can stop millions of people that are just watching the film and it's going to be just more and more this is a global movement brother this is just the beginning this and movie is going coming out all over the world and we're providing an opportunity right now so in, something interesting happened uh, at the end of the film it used to say and then they created operation underground railroad um and I, again i also became the ceo of the nazarene fund uh i told angel studios take take the logo off of who you are i love it that's my baby I, ba I made it take it off because so many organizations out there are doing such great work and we're not the solution to every kid. For many we are, neither is the Nazarene Fund. Um, and so uh, I actually, before the film came out, I stepped down from both um, so that I could create something brand new. It's the only scalable approach and it, it's, it supports Nazarene and OUR. It's called the Spear Fund. It's, I'm actually announcing it for the first time right now on your show, the Spear Fund, tip of the spear. Um, and what it is, it's a scalable approach to, have to, to, to ending this because every kid deserves the best rescuer, the best rescue organization, the best group, whatever it is. And, and it's not just one organization. So what we're doing is, is me and I'm my, my, the co-founder of it is Jessica Munoz, who's one of the most uh, uh, significant aftercare specialists in the United States. She built something in Hawaii that was amazing called Pearl Haven. And we are, we are getting funds together so that we can then identify. It's a capitalistic kind of approach where it's like, if you're the best, you're getting, you're getting the funding. Because you're the best option for that kid and you're the best option for that kid. Every kid's gonna get the best rescue. So if, 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 if people can support that, it's the spearfund.org. Go there. It's the, it's the fastest approach, the most effective approach uh, to, to, to rescuing kids. And we're super excited to, to get people in, turned in, on to that. In the movie, your, your character, well, you, uh, needed funding. So is this like you're now the, the one that's funding? Correct. My undercover days are done, okay? But OUR, we're, we're one of the first. There's, there's been many others, but to do what we do and the way we do it, but that's changed. In the last 10 years, lots of like, like vet groups and former law enforcement guys have built these amazing organizations. So my goal now, have, have, I've left the two organizations that I that I love and I still love and I will still support so that I can support all the others because that's what the kids deserve. I mean, if I'm being, again, if I'm being honest, I'm not going to say that the one I built is the end all for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, but there is an end all for that one or that one. And I want them all to rise with the energy of this film. I want there to be a solution. And if people want to get involved, the spearfund.org, give us what you can resources that way. And you'll watch, we'll, we'll, we'll return stories and we'll introduce you. To, to people who are rescuing kids, you know, better than I can do it, you know, and, and, uh, and so it's, it's exciting. It's an exciting time because I, I think we can see, we, we can maybe end this thing, you know? Is it so, like, oh, no, go ahead. Uh, that, that it's, because I imagine there's multiple tiers of reasoning that why it's happening. It's like a financial reason for the people in the very, at the very top. And then it's like a sexual reason for the, the depraved that are purchasing into it. But like, how do you disincentivize the financial aspect you just make them terrified that everyone around them is going to turn them in next exactly you gotta it's the deterrent effect that we saw in Colombia. you've got there's got to be a these guys have been working with impunity throughout the world they're rescued they're, they're they're abusing children selling them and there's no consequence now there is and this movie proves i hope every pedophile and trafficker is scared out of their mind right now because they know that it's not just our it's not just the nazarene fund but it's going to be every other group that's going to be empowered now through this film, through the Spear Fund, and I want them to be looking over their shoulders and thinking twice before they put their hand on a kid. Why do you think it is so many media outlets were uh, <laughs> attacking the film, insulting it, saying QAnon yeah. or paranoid? Well, first I'll say that's this. a little weird, huh? It's so bizarre because this film was made, produced, written, 
five, six years ago before QAnon was even a thing. So it's impossible what they're saying. <laughs> Why are they saying it? Now, here's my theory. I, I, I think I'm right. Uh, there's an agenda out there. And there's a conversation to be had. And these outlets don't want to have it. By the way, The Guardian, Rolling Stone, they all praised this operation when it happened. They don't remember. It was eight years ago, but I have the articles. Look at these guys rescue these kids in Columbia. And now eight years later, oh, it's QAnon. It didn't even happen. Blah, blah, blah. There's a conversation they don't want to have. They don't want to talk about the fact that there's 85,000 unaccompanied minors who came to our border and were released and lost in a, in a country that's the highest consumer for child sex material. That's scary. They don't want to talk about the fact that teachers' unions are providing what we would call pornography to yep. third graders, right? I used to be able to arrest people for providing the material to children that teachers are currently giving to kids under the guise of sex education. They don't want to talk about 13-year-old girls being able to consent. And I'm very libertarian when it comes to all these things for an adult, right? Oh, I'll go get the books. Yeah, I, I think I, I got a couple of the books you're talking oh, you about. Got we have a book that they've get, that they they have in grade school. Oh, I know that one. Yes, that teaches children yeah. how to use adult sex apps. Yes, I, I'm and very familiar. I just posted on this. There was a teacher who gave middle schoolers, ten to twelve years old, a book called "This Book Is Gay." It's the title of the book, and it, in it, it it explains how to use Grinder. Why? On what page one hundred and eighty-two? Yeah. Yes. Now so that this, one you, we can't show either. That's you can't graphic. show some of these it's pictures. Actual, I'm telling you, I could have arrested people for giving this to kids back in the early two thousands, as it and, should be. And now teachers are giving it to kids. Yep. They don't want to talk about this. And and then you know what it leads to? Consent. Pedophiles have been pushing consent. Consent. Kids should be able to consent. They. Sh I've I've studied pedophiles. I've hunted them for two decades, right? Mm -hmm. And they have platforms. They have literature. Kids should be able to make decisions for voting, for whatever they want to do. Why are they saying this? Well, because they want them to have legal consent to have sex with a 12-year-old, 11-year-old, whatever. You know what? This whole trans voice, and again, I'm libertarian for adults. Do what you want to do. I will fight for your right to, to choose to do that. I don't, but these are children, and when you let a kid consent to gender mutilation or consent to puberty blockers, you're just you're an inch away from allowing them to consent. to. You've lost the argument. But this, this quite literally is one of their big arguments. There have been uh, numerous uh, writers in what they call the queer movement who have talked about children consenting. There are prominent activists who are making this argument. And in fact, tomorrow, we're actually going to be having a debate about, uh, I'll, I'll keep it vague for a little bit because I, you know, I don't want to spoil it or, or you know, scare off the people who are coming on the show. But there's going to be a conversation about what is or isn't appropriate for kids. Yeah. I think it's fairly obvious. When we ask the question, we, you know, we have people come on uh, and, and debate various ideas. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll show these books to people and say, for what reason should children be shown these books? And they just blindly defend it. And without, real, with, I, I just want to say the real question is not why do kids need to see this? It's why do you need to show this to a child? Right. Why are you so obsessed right. with ensuring that a child will have their innocence destroyed well, by this perverse content? Let, let me ask you. I mean, you're the expert. Can you break down how would you describe grooming? Oh, absolutely. First, they, the pedophiles want a kid who's sexualized who will participate and choose to have sex with them. That's what they want. But you got to get a kid sexualized first. You know what porn does to an adult brain? I mean, I, I've talked to porn addicts. An adult brain. It changes the chemistry of the brain. Right? It actually creates a damage of the brain. Kids whose brains are just like crystallizing still, they're little sponges. So you give, you give a third grader this, and they're giving third graders this stuff. And then you expose them to TikTok and let them have the... I mean, you, these kids, by the time they're 13, they're sex robots. 
They all they know. They're teaching kids to masturbate too in some schools. Yes, like, that's part of it. Go to your special corner and touch yourself while you look at this. So th these kids are already sexualized to the point where, and again, pedophiles are salivating. Like, hey, they're they're doing our job for us. The, these groups, the 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 leftists out there, they're doing our job yeah. for us. We they're or, they're or, laughing. They're laughing right now. They're left. They're salivating. But, but you that's say, say. you laughing. say they are doing the job for us. Why not? They are doing the job. Mm -hmm. the, the the groups are one and the same. I mean, you're right. The the I I made this argument. There was um. I can't remember exactly what the story was, but I, I was critical of li literal grooming. I mean, in fact, let's go back to uh, pre-Elon Musk Twitter. There was an image of adult men showing graphic adult images to children. And I said, this is grooming. I got suspended. I got, they, they deleted the tweet and they, they said, you can't post this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I can't call out the abuse. They said it was offensive. It was hate speech. Mm -hmm. Wow. So wow. I criticize a story and I get these leftist publications attacking me for it. My response was, if my position is that child abusers are bad and you rush to their defense and attack me over it, my only assumption is you're a child abuser mm -hmm. or you are in support of child abuse. B both are wrong. Yeah. They, they get so <laughs> angry about it, but I'm like, there's no legitimate reason to defend what they're doing in these schools. And for the same reason, no legitimate reason to attack sound of freedom. Exactly. But it's the same yeah. motive. And these guys also, every one of the, mm. most of these publications, by the way, you're going to find they're also promoting this, stop calling them pedophiles, that's mean. Call them minor attracted persons and add nope. them to the LGBTQ. I'm going to call no. pedophiles. Yep. I will absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, make yeah. it worse. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Do you think that, I've heard yesterday, I think you mentioned, the average age of a child that sees pornography on the internet is seven years old. Average yeah. first They're exposure about, by first some exposure. statistics And also 5,000% increase in child trafficking. Are they somehow related? Is absolutely. this the grooming? Absolutely, because they want willing victims. They want willing victims. Let me, let, me, let me ask you something about, we've been talking about this uh, for the past couple of weeks. If someone goes out in the public, holding up a graphic image of adults in, engaging in adult activities, that person gets arrested. No question. Cop comes and arrests them. The internet is a publicly accessible space in much the same way. But for some reason, we have not enforced laws. It's preventing people from posting obscene, lewd, lascivious images in places children have access to. Why? What's the difference? Now, I know there's a lot of libertarians who are like, oh, you're talking dangerous talk, Tim. We got to have freedom here. And I'm like, we don't have the freedom to go and put up a, take a, take a, a, an advertising truck with a TV on it, park it in the middle of Times Square and play porn. You can't do that. Right. They'll, they will come and tow that vehicle and arrest you on the spot. So how is it that you can go on a social media platform children use and do the exact same thing? That's, the, that's a question I have. Perhaps mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have the moral authority or the understanding to say what we should or shouldn't do. I lean towards maybe we should make that, we should enforce it as illegal as it should be. I'm wondering if you would agree or what your thoughts would be on that. I mean, I, I, I do. It's this weird double standard. I'd say the same thing. If you see what kids are doing, if you're, you're going to talk about this tomorrow on your show. But what adults are doing to kids in these, in these forums, in these parades they're doing, or, the, or, or the, you know, the, the drag queen shows. I mean, you've seen the videos. They're exposing yeah. themselves. If that same person walked to a school playground and did that same thing, they'd be arrested. But again, what's the, they're still kids. They're kids in both places. Um, and here we are again, and, and there are states, I think, uh, I think Tennessee, who are trying to do, uh, create laws that protect kids from that material, that you can't just post whatever, there, there's, there's certain barriers, there's, there's ID requirements that have to be verified for a, a kid to get through a certain, you know, a wall in, in, in the internet. I'm, I'm, I think that's important to protect yeah. kids. Yeah, one thing, um, 
I want to mention here, you were sort of talking about genderqueer and a lot of this perverse literature that they're putting into the school system. One thing that a lot of people aren't aware of is that this isn't something on the fringes. And even what you were talking about with respect to the pedophile who's depicted at the beginning of Sound of Freedom, who has written about how he thinks these are natural impulses and society's puritanical. This person, unfortunately, is part of a movement which is much broader and more mainstream than people realize. Alfred Kinsey, Wardell Pomeroy, all of the premier sex researchers who we are told to look to as experts and pioneers said similar things. Kinsey wrote in his book, Sexual Behavior in the Human Female, that the reason a girl is traumatized when she's abused, when she's underage, is because the parents made a big deal out of it and not because of what actually happened. This is in his published work. This is the person who's credited as being the first person to scientifically study sex. His first book, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, was published in 1948 and sold several hundred thousand copies. This was a textbook. People were reading it. And there is a table, infamously titled Table 34, that includes data tables which only could have been collected through the abuse of children. I'm not going to graphically explain what those data tables purport to measure, but it's hundreds and hundreds of boys under the age of 15 who had to have been raped for him to get that information. This is mainstream. It's public knowledge. His co-author, author Wardell Pomeroy, was in Time magazine in the 1980s saying out loud that he thinks incest between adults and children can be, in his words, beneficial. This is not even hiding under the rug. There's a, an interview on the Phil Donahue show with people from the Kinsey Institute and Judith Reisman, and they're defending all of this, saying that it was okay. So these aren't fringe weirdos here and there. This stuff is way more mainstream than people realize. Mm -hmm. It is. It's just taking this long. But he's the father, by the way, not only of our sex, modern sex education programs like mm -hmm. this stuff, he's also the father of the pedophile movement. Yeah. They, it, it all derives from the same sick, you know, backwards falsehoods. Yeah. So thank you for that. I mean, you you clearly know your stuff this, on that. Thank you. You're, brilliant. You're talking about this uh, this pedophile, the beginning of the film, and also a real guy that you studied who made that claim that all men have these predilections or whatever. And you, you thinks everyone steals. It's it's exactly like it's the projection. It's the world must be the way I see it. Everyone must see the world the way I do. There's no other explanation. Certainly, you. Know, I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't think anyone's ever accused these people of being smart. Something's clearly <laughs> wrong with them. But it's like, my dude, every country on the planet is, it, to varying degrees, wants to stop you, right? The United States is actively in the process of trying to stop you. Clearly, the world thinks what you are doing is wrong. To believe otherwise is insanity. These people, but as I said, you know, no one's, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't accuse people of being smart. Even, even, even Epstein was not smart enough, right? Right. I got to know, man, like after having experienced the last 20 years and book making the movie and everything, how do you, and do you have, do you have kids too? If you, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, or, but like, how do you educate your children about sexuality now? Do they need to be educated younger? Do they just need the words to understand the body parts so that if something, they see something, they can tell you. Um, I mean, I, the, the idea of like saying, no, go away. I just don't, I don't know that that can ever well, work, but. Let, let me let me Continue. elaborate a little bit on yeah, that please. is, you know, if there's a kid who doesn't understand what's happening to them and they can't articulate it, how do you navigate that that problem? Right. So I uh, my wife's in charge of that. I try to support. But what she does and th this this requires actual parenting to do this. You have to know your kids intuitively. And, and moms have a gift. Um, my wife certainly does the gifts. I wish I had, but I don't. And so it's interesting. Each of my kids have the conversation at a different age. 
Some it's seven. Some it's ten. Some wasn't. They weren't ready until they're twelve or thirteen. She, my wife literally prays over when it's time to say what and what to say and what details to give. Also, listen to your kids ask questions. So you've got to give them the basics at a certain point, right? Like you said, they have to have the vocabulary to be able to understand where dangers come in. But the kids will ask and, and satisfy their curiosity. Otherwise, the playground will. Mm-hmm. And you don't want the playground to satisfy their curiosity. So Catherine listens. Okay, you, you're going somewhere. You have a, Let's sit down. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I will be the one that gives you the answer before somebody else does. So, Did I, you give them internet access when they were younger? It's the same, uh, same process. Some of my kids were ready at 10 to begin monitored. Some not till they're 13. It depends on. Good for you. It depends. Each, each, it's customized, you know. It's got to be monitored. Because I, I want people, I don't, I don't know where this, this culture came from, this idea of like the kid can go online, have fun. You're basically saying you are giving your kid a private jet to go anywhere in the world and see whatever they want. Clearly, you would never allow that. You're not going to let your kid go down to the, you know, you can't, you, you, you can't go north of this street. You can't go four blocks out. We tell our kids, you know, when I'm growing up, it's like, don't go past this street, don't go past this street. And we'd listen for the most part. Come home when the lights come on. There were limitations on how far we could go. If you went too far and you got lost, you got kidnapped, something bad happened to you, how are your parents going to find out? The internet may not be the exact same thing in terms of physical space, but you can access literally anything. And that's ridiculous to allow a kid to do whatever. Imagine if you were like, you're allowed to go wherever you want, son, even the adult bookstore down the street. Go, mm. go, like, no way. And not only that, they wouldn't let you in. It would be, it's illegal. Right. But the internet is different. Yep. They let kids do whatever they want. They don't think about it. Parents really need to understand it's not just, quote unquote, the internet. It's unrestrained access to some of the worst and the best things mm-hmm. hu- humanity has created. Not, not every kid is ready for all of that. Yeah. I mean, kids, I, I would say there is a large quantity of things on the internet no one could handle seeing, yeah. with let one, alone children. With one click. Yeah. Yep. Well, there's, there's, there's videos of murder. Yeah. There, there, uh, I remember back in the day there was a viral video of three guys murdering someone that was going around. And if you were just some kid and your parents gave you a phone or a computer, you saw a graphic and brutal murder take place. The, the children should not be watching that stuff. Well, you made this point about the fact that you wouldn't be allowed in an adult bookstore if you were just walking down the street or a place that sells pornography. I shouldn't use and euphemisms. And not only that, but Pornhub banned access in the state of Utah because Utah passed a law saying we need to have stricter methods of verifying people's ages so that kids don't end up viewing porn on this website. That made Pornhub very upset. So not only is it the case that kids are allowed into these like digital establishments, the companies actually throw a fit when they aren't. Um, And I'll also mention this. My dad made this point when I was a kid and he was referring to television. I think it's even more pressing with the internet today but he said this is the first time in human history where parents allow complete strangers into their home to teach their children yep and now uh it's it's two-way 
You know, your kid has an exchange with them. The uh, the Trevor Project posted this interface that they were advertising to talk to uh, somebody about your sexual identity. And if you hit the escape button three times, it deletes all of your browser history. And they were advertising that. Wow. They were advertising that. They so if, if an adult walks in the room, hit escape three times, all of it's cleared. Now, what would you say about an adult who goes to a kid, tries to talk to him about sex and says, don't tell your parents? Horrifying. It's, it's, it's like textbook. Absolutely. It's, it's horrifying. It's grooming. And it's part of, again, the pedophile movement. They've been saying it for years. Get Separate kids from the parents. There's, they have NAMBLA, you know, the North American Man-Boy yeah. Love Association, uh, other organizations in Europe that I've hunted. Uh, they have literature that teach the pedophile how to separate parents from kids, how to get them alone, wow. how to, or how to even groom the parent to become friendly with them. So, the, I mean, these are... These are they don't, these are pedo tactics. Yeah. So, so, so we, we didn't actually get into it. And, and I see someone, in, uh, some, we got a super chat. Someone uh, was asking, uh, Mike Spencer, why did it take so long for this film to come out? I mean, you said you started making, what, eight mm -hmm. years ago? Eight then years ago, that's five, when we met Team Ballard. Yeah, five yeah. years to get it released after that? Well, actually, it was, it was three years of, of writing the script. It was two years of pre-production, production, and post-production. So I finished the film three years ago. And at that time, it was owned by Fox. Fox Latin America, but then Disney bought Fox. So now the film was owned by Disney. So I negotiated with him after they told me this is not for us. So it took us a, a year for rescue the rights of the film. After I had the rights back, I knocked you know, the doors of Netflix and Amazon and many others and they were not interested. They, they said, this is not for us, this is not for us, this is not for us. So for three years uh, until I was, again, you have two options. You give up, you don't give up. And next thing you know, it was like, team, I mean, should we put this on YouTube for free? Or, I mean, <laughs> we need to save children, but we need to raise awareness. What are we, I mean, I was about to call my investors like, hey, you know, we did everything, but it seems like someone doesn't want this movie to be in theaters. And and, uh, and, and it's it's done. Like, yeah, Disney it has it. They're like, the movie's done. And they go, done, yeah. we don't want to go with yeah, that. Yeah, they saw, actually, I went to Argentina because the new headquarters of uh, Disney Latin America were in, were in Argentina. So I went there. Very nice people because when I said, when I, I want to make something very clear. When I say that Disney is, is trying to corrupt your children, I'm talking about the cupola, the, the elite, you know, the, the, the people who are at very, very high level. There's a lot of good people working in Disney. They just, you know, they have no other options. And, and, and so I met very good people in Argentina and they saw the movie. They told me, well, we need to have a meeting. I'll get back to you. So I went back to Mexico. Like a week later, they, they told me, you know, this is not for us. This is not for Disney. Okay, well, give it back to me. Yeah, but you owe, you owe money to, uh, to us right now. I know, but you, you promised me, well, not you, but Fox promised me that they were going to do a, a documentary and a TV series. Well, wow. we, we're not going to do that. Okay, well, then, well, let's negotiate. So one year negotiating until finally a lot of things happened, but, you know, okay, well, here's your movie. So when I got the movie back, I was like, okay, so team, what should, what should we do? You know, well, Netflix. Okay, well, let's go to Netflix. I don't know, I send like 100 messages. I know people that they know, the, the CEO of Netflix and everything, and they try and they try and they try and nothing, nothing, nothing until I just, you know what? I, I don't want to force something. Maybe God has a different plan. And he, he did. And uh, so what I did in Mexico at that time, because Alejandro was calling me, and he was Alejandro Monteverde, my business partner, the director of the film. He said, Eduardo, the kids cannot wait any longer. We need to do something. We cannot wait until distribution happens. And that's when I had this idea of, why don't we do a tour in Mexico where we invite every governor of each, of each state to host a screening, to invite all the leaders from every single sector of our society in each state, and then we show the movie, 
2,000 people. And then at the end, we signed an agreement where we commit to end child trafficking in that state. And we did like 20 states. And I was about to finish the other 12 states when I received the phone call from Angel Studios. And here, and here we are, you know. Again, I'm, I'm living, we're living this beautiful dream, man. I mean, I'm just, we're broken souls. And, and when you, the feeling of knowing that you're being used by God to save children. I mean, I've been crying every day, brother. I feel like it's more than that. We've seen, uh, you mentioned Disney. Uh, I boycotted Disney a long time ago. I I, so, you know, I, I had purchased, when Disney Plus comes out, I buy the year plan. And then I think it was when Mulan came out, they thanked the security forces who are holding Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps. And, I, and people are furious about it. I mean, the, the stories are coming out of there horrifying. And I said, I'm not going to, I'm done with Disney Plus. I'm hmm. not going to sign back up for it. I haven't. I'm not going to. I think it's more than just saving kids. That's the immediate. Mm-hmm. But, the, but also understand the, the, the cultural yeah. ramifications of a successful film to this degree. Who do you think got fired at Disney? Somebody <laughs> turned this film down, and now someone's saying, $54 million in 10 oh, days? You know what, what happened? What, what did we do? I, I, actually, you know what, what, what happened? I just got a phone call today, and someone told me, hey, did you read this article where Disney is denying that they used to own the rights of the, uh, of the film. <laughs> so, well, I have the contract. I mean, I, I have two contracts actually uh, signed by them. So should I put that on my Twitter? I said, well, we should. So I'm going to put that because now they're lying. Can you imagine they're denying that they used to own this film? They look. don't want to look. They're, they're, you know, they're humiliated because can you imagine? We're, this is like the Goliath, David and Goliath, right? We're, like, we're, we're the little David here fighting this big monster who is corrupting your children. Son of Freedom was, wants to save your children. And then... All, the only message we, we, we gave to the people, thank God, thank, thanks be to God for the media who are supporting us like you guys, this is what we said. Hey, in order for be David, in order for us to be David, we need you. So if we all come together as one voice, we can be that David that will defeat Goliath. Um, if, we, if that happens, we know the end of the story. So we defeated Goliath at least on July 4th. And you know what happened normally? when you, The first week of the film, let's say you have 2,000 years, right? The second week, you go to 1,500 theaters, and yeah. then 500 theaters, and then you die, right? Yep. So this is the opposite. The second week, we have 400 theaters more, and I just heard that we have three more 100 theaters. So this thing is growing and growing because of the people are, and you, and you know why too? The people are very generous. When they go to angel.com slash freedom, angel.com slash freedom, People can buy tickets for themselves, for their family, but they can buy through pay, pay it forward to other people, other families that they cannot afford to go to bring their family to the theaters. And because of their generosity, these other people can see the film for free. That is changing the, the entire, you know, st- I mean, we're, we're breaking the establishment, brother. It's, I just, I hope that there's some executive or some like mid-level guy who was like, we don't want to do this film, get it out of here. And now he's got a boss yelling at him like, we just lost $54 million. Sorry. Because you didn't, the film was done. It was sitting right here. (laughs) Five years. years. Angel.com slash freedom. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to pay a thousand bucks for this. This is the funny thing too. brother. God bless you, man. The the media says that uh, it's a faith-based film or whatever, a conservative. And I'm like, I don't understand. I, I, I used to watch Law & Order SVU all the time. I'm like, this is just like if you took, if you made a movie that was like in a similar fashion, they say, you know, crime, uh, sexual crimes are considered especially heinous, dun, dun, Law & Order. That show was on the air for, t- for decades. People love it. This film, 
it, it's it's like in the same genre. It's it's a it's, it's, it's a it's drama like thriller it's crime. Like, law it's enforcement. like life is beautiful. Can you imagine saying life is beautiful is a Jewish film? No, you yeah. would never say that. Or Schindler's List, one of my favorite films. You know, especially when when he when he talks about this list is life. This is the same thing. Sound of Freedom is life. But Angel Studios had a trailer in the beginning of the movie that was like a sci-fi movie. I'm like, good. I want Angel Studios to succeed. I want them to make more films. Mm-hmm. They're not overtly like, it's not like you're, like every movie is in some way got this through line of religion or anything. It's for They're everyone. Just it's for everyone. It's a viral story. It's a true story. I mean, okay. you, know, you, you know what I like though? It's like the subtlety of the light versus the subtlety of the dark. Hollywood has the subtlety of darkness in, in a lot of what they do. Weird, creepy things you might notice in the background that are, are you don't want your kids to know. You don't want your kids to, to, to watch or ask questions about. You know, they've got in, um, uh, I think it was Blue's Clues, there was a beaver with mastectomy scars. And now, now, by all means, if you want to talk about cancer survivors and how they have mastectomy scars, we, we, we get that, right? We're, 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 we're compassionate. But to show a beaver in this way we know it wasn't about cancer survivor because they'd be wearing a shirt yes it was about giving these gender ideology ideas to little kids without you noticing that's the subtlety of darkness angel studios can make a sci-fi film that's not overly religious or whatever thing but then there's subtlety of light in those films Mm -hmm. so if all they're doing is making movies is entertaining we're winning i said this about the daily wire why i'm excited to see them succeed they make a movie that's a, a western it's not a conservative film. It's just a film. And I'm like, that's what needs to happen. Because mm-hmm. if the bare minimum of what we do is we end the weird subtlety of darkness and, and, this, and this erosion, yeah. and we just course correct and start working towards things that inspire people to be more virtuous or moral, you we're said, winning. You said the word inspired. Media influence how people think. You know what's the average percentage between parents and children having meaningful conversations every day in America? And I think now it's in the whole world. Three to six minutes a day. Wow. But in front of the media social media, movies, videos, radio, whatever, more than 10 hours a day. So who is educating their children? It's not parents, neither schools, it's the media. So media, I mean, it's good or bad, whatever. It's just, it's just a mean, you know, how you use it is what changed everything, right? So it, art has the power to change people's hearts. Plato said, if I have to choose between art or politics to govern a nation, he said, I will choose art because art has the power to touch people's hearts and change their minds. Therefore, how they think, how they live, how they behave. So this is powerful. You know, media influence how people think. And young people, they have this tendency to imitate art. When they go and see the movie, they imitate what they see. So can you imagine if we just lead by example? That's why Tim Ballard in the movie, Jim Caviezel, he speaks very little. Everything is just actions, 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 because action speaks a thousand words, right? And our hope is that when people see this movie, Sound of Freedom, they will live not only entertained, but they will live inspired, wanting to love more, wanting to forgive more, wanting to become the best version of yourself, the best version of yourself, wanting to become more like Tim Ballard, you know? This is a true hero. This is not like Superman or Spider-Man, you know? This is about a true hero, and we all can become heroes. We are called to be heroes, actually. And my goal as a filmmaker is, is that when people leave the theater, they will love to become ambassadors of freedom. And I hope they will ask the same question I asked myself eight years ago. What can I do to end this? I want to join the army. I want to join the army. And I think we have an army of more than five million people now in America. This you, is amazing. You know, you know what I, I do hope? I hope you guys get... $50 million penthouses with infinity pools, a couple uh, Corvettes, some Ferraris, some Lamborghinis. I hope. You know why? And I genuinely mean this. 
Who deserves luxury more than those who are doing good to benefit the world? Is it uh, the celebrity or the music? You know, no, I, I've, I've always thought this when I was younger, like, why is it that a firefighter gets paid a lower salary, but a baseball player is a multimillionaire? And so, of course, there's a, I'm being a bit facetious and yeah. I don't really expect you guys to buy those things. But I hope that the younger generation sees success of this movie, the millions of dollars, they see the movement and they think the path to th the path to success is being a good moral person who fights for the betterment of the world. And I want there to be, I want Tim Ballard to roll up in a nice car with a nice suit and the kids to be like, how do I be like him? It's like, oh, you save children's lives. Mm -hmm. Instead, what do we get? We get, you know, be hard, be streets, be a celebrity, make songs about lewd and lascivious behaviors. We got we to switch that around. Oh, yeah. You know, Ben Shapiro famously rapping, <laughs> you know, that song, WAP. Yes. We won't get into it. Yeah, how do, how do we, 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 Sam Smith doing the satanic dances, how do we shift Man. that to the guy walking on stage with the nice suit and the gold chains is the guy who saves children for yeah. a living? Well, you know, one, thank you for, for that. But at the same time, I just want to, you know, you may agree with me, you may not agree with me, but I have to say it, and that, that's how I feel. You know, Mother Teresa said, we are not called to be successful. We are called to be faithful to God. That is our success. Now, if by being faithful to God, by being faithful to our values, success come, it's a blessing. Thanks be to God. Let's use that success to make a difference in people's lives. Because you know what? We're going to die one day. Here's Life is too short, brother. Mm -hmm. And we're taking nothing, nothing <laughs> with us, except for our actions. Nothing's wrong with success, as long as you don't compromise your values. But we if success doesn't come after being faithful, never compromise. Never compromise. It's not worth it. Exact. Beauty does not come from outward adornment. We have a big advantage in, uh, in this culture war. And that is... I think a higher degree of selflessness. The left has collectivism. They fall in line. They march in lockstep. But if a movie like this and the profits from it go towards the mission and expanding that mission, that's something they don't have. Exactly. These people, uh, many of these leftists are virtue signalers. Who, who, they'll say whatever they have to say just to make money for themselves so they can buy themselves a mansion. If the money generated from people seeing this movie doesn't go towards Lamborghinis and Infinity Pools and it in fact goes towards making more culture building, making more movies, inspiring more people yep. to do better... That, that passion and that drive and that mission is something they don't have. Because this is a mission, exactly what you just said. This is not just, this is a movement. This is a mission. This is a, a vision. This is like our, I mean, we made a promise that we would dedicate our entire life to angel trafficking. And this is not going to be, you know, ended with one movie. This is just the beginning. You know when the movie starts, brother? The movie starts for the people when the movie finished. That's the beginning of the movement when the film finished that's how i felt when i saw it like i was like a different person i was it was hard to watch kind of i was like breaking apart and then i was rebuilt at the end i really uh, want to thank yeah. jim caviezel man oh he, brother he yeah, amazing we need to talk about him for, for a second yeah. because yeah. I mean, it, it, he deserved that you said earlier he didn't have a lot of lines and i noticed that and it was his eyes man you can see his brain the eyes mm -hmm. are connected to the brain and you see it like i don't know did you spend a lot of time with him yeah, we did. We're super good friends, and he spent he spent time with me. and And Alejandro said something in the beginning. He says, "Whoever plays this role has to say way more with his eyes than he does with his mouth." Mm -hmm. That was before Jim even agreed, and that's exactly what Caviezel pulls off. Yeah. That, that was that, that was his, his idea. This crazy Tim Ballard, because I was thinking about someone else. You know, someone that looks like him, younger and everything. And when I asked him, hey, "Brother, twenty people passed. So who who do you want to play you?" And he looked at me and he said, "Jesus Christ." <laughs> Brother, come on! I, I'm I'm not kidding. He's too no, expensive. You know, yeah. he's too expensive. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the guy who played Jesus Christ in in the Passion of Christ of Mel Gibson. Oh man, I thought for a second you went crazy, 
And do you know him? Yeah, I know him. But why him? Because he has the, you know, he's brave. He, he's a godly man. And I know he's going to be an actor who is not going to be coming here, you know, play the role, go to the, go to the premiere and then next movie. He will stay with us until the end, right? So I, I text him. I say, brother, I have something for you. When can I see you? In two hours, in this coffee. So Alejandro and I went to meet with him. We pitched the story to him. And he starts crying. He said, brother, this is too personal to me. And he shared a very personal story. And I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is your story, brother. This is, I mean, this is it. So the next day he calls me and he tells me, I have a good news and a challenge. What is the, what is the good news? I mean, that's it. Tell Tim Ballard, tell Alejandro that I mean. What is the bad news? What is the challenge? Well, you know, my, my wife saw Narcos Colombia on Netflix and she's afraid for me to go to Colombia to film this movie. Oh, man, I hated that because, you know, again, media influence how people think. Latinos, we have been stereotyped in a very negative way since the photos until today. And then a lot of people here in this country, they think Latinos, we are a threat to the democracy of this country because they think that we are what, what they see in film or television, all the negative stereotypes. So, and, and these TV series, they, they do a lot of damage. And here you have this uh, Gene Caviezel's wife saying, he's not going to Colombia. I said, well, hold, hold on a second. Let me just call Tim Ballard. I'll call you right back. Tim, I have a good news and a bad news, brother. <laughs> good news, Gene Caviezel is in. Bad news, his wife saw Narcos Colombia on Netflix and she doesn't want him to go there. What can we do? And he's thinking and thinking. And he said, tell them if 30 ex-Navy SEALs, 30 ex-Navy SEALs will be enough to protect him. I called them. I passed a message. Green light. We're in Colombia <laughs> filming, right? But look what happened. 30 of these guys who were on set, a week later, half of them are not on set anymore. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. As a producer, I know who is on set. We have 200 people, extras, actors, whatever, you know. And I noticed that half of them were not there. So. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. One month and a half later, I'm reading this local newspaper from Colombia that it says that the federal police arrested some traffickers and rescued more than 200 children in Cartagena, Colombia, who were kidnapped for sexual exploitation. And, and more details, like in the movie, very similar story to the movie. So I run to see Tim Ballard and I said, brother, look, like in the movie. And he smiled and he said, that was us. What? <laughs> that was us. Half of the guys who were not on set, they were walking on the Cartagena streets on Saturday. And these people came and approached them. Hey, amigo, gringo, you want senoritas, young ladies, how many you want? They thought they were tourists looking for action, right? Wow. Next thing you know, they didn't know that these guys were experts on rescue children, right? <laughs> so they, they, they say, well, can I call you tomorrow? Because there's more Americans coming and we, 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 we need more girls. Do you have like really young girls? Brother, we have everything you need. Okay, we have chickens. Chickens means like very little boys and girls, right? So um, anyway, so... They rescued these children. They started this undercover operation with the help of the police, uh, Colombia police. So I'm thinking like, hold while on a second. While you're filming the children. movie? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, the second week, brother, of, of filming, half of these guys were rescuing 200 children. And I'm thinking, wait a second. Thank God for Jim Caviezel's wife who said no in the beginning. Yeah. Because of that no, he was inspired, Tim Butler, to bring 30 ex-Navy SEALs. And because of those 30 ex-Navy SEALs, half of them rescued 200 children before before the film was even finished. Sound I, of Freedom 2. Can you imagine? I mean, this is... I, brother, I'm just... 
there's so many miracles. We, we say, I remember saying this. Are you I was, gonna, I was you in tears. Answer the question? I, yeah, yeah, well, one second. Because <laughs> well, let's focus on this film first. You know, I, I mean, I'm in tears. I'm, I'm crying. I'm I mean, the story just wrote itself. That's amazing. I, I'm, I'm telling team, brother, even if this film never see the light, even if tomorrow the, there's an earthquake and the entire film is buried, right? <laughs> the fact that we were used to save 200 children, it's all worth it, man. I, I can die in peace. Never imagine that eight years later, five million people are watching this film in America. Come on. I mean, if this is not the American dream for me, for a Mexican filmmaker who moved to this country 20 years ago without, without speaking English, I'm hugging the American dream. I'm so grateful to this nation for opening the door to my dreams. God bless this wonderful nation. God bless America. God bless Mexico. Let's make Mexico and America free again. Yeah, let's. We're Did, gonna go to super chats, but you want to get one more well, question? Does Jim's wife know that she inspired that? Oh, of course, man. Are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> she so saved two hundred children just by that no, by her concern for her husband. And later, she said yes, and later two hundred children are free. Maybe the reason she had that feeling that she needed people there wasn't so much to protect Jim, but because yeah. something was calling her to send in the troops. That's to save how these God kids. works. That's how God works. We don't understand the beginning why. How, bad how, news. What? A, that bad news was the best news ever. It seems it was a challenge. Story, stories like this, they seem impossible. They seem like miracles, but they happen. Mm -hmm. Let's read Super Chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and head over to TimCast.com, become a member by clicking join us. We're going to have a members-only segment. If you guys have been a member for at least six months, you can submit questions and potentially call into the show to talk to us and ask questions and of our guests. And if you sign up right now, at, at least at the $25 per month level, you can immediately submit for ask questions. We have, we have to have this gate to keep out nefarious actors who want to come in and screw with us, and then we have a screening process. Um, I, I, and I do want to be honest, at this point, many of the callers may have already been chosen, so I don't want to you know get your hopes up if, if you've uh, not signed up yet, but uh, come and watch the Members Only After Show, which will be up in about 25 minutes, but for now, we'll read your Super Chats. Let's grab... I want to try and find uh, the best Super Chats directly uh, asking questions of you guys so mm -hmm. we can uh, get into that. Spencer Jones says, Tim, I met you a few years ago via Marisol Nichols. Been donating to OUR ever since. Keep it up. God bless. Not sure if, if, you're, uh, if you know who that is. Or well, Marisol Nichols is one of my best friends. She's, oh, there you she's go. an actress. Uh, on River, if you watch Riverdale. She, no, I know of it. Yeah, she, she's a very successful actress. And she actually done undercover work with us. As an actor, I mean, undercover operators are, first and foremost, actors, right? And she's phenomenal. Her, we, she, she's rescued dozens and dozens of, of kids using her undercover skills. So, so thank you. Thanks for mentioning Marisol, and thanks for your support. Shadow's Hand says, I saw Sound of Freedom earlier today. Thank you, Tim B., for your continued efforts on that front. Definitely a film everyone needs to see. How can one join your cause in person in Operation Underground Railroad? Check out the website, info at OURrescue.org, and send in your resume. And uh, But you did step down. Are you still involved in any way? I'm still the founder, always the founder. I'll always support and send mm -hmm. money. And but, uh, Can you I, give me oh, the website name again? OURrescue.org. But yeah, I stepped down from both the, the in any official capacity. I just, like I said, I want to help the whole cause on mm -hmm. all the organizations, So. Let's grab some more Super Chats. I, I, I'm taking my time because I'm trying to find good questions pertaining to the film. And uh, Eric CK asked early on, Tim Ballard, you're a true hero. What do you know about the human trafficking in Ukraine? I, I know we did mention it a little yeah. bit. I don't know if there's anything else to elaborate on Well, there. I'll say this. The docuseries called Hidden War. Uh, you can check out the trailer actually online. Just Google uh, DNA Films, you, uh, uh, Hidden War. It's an amazing trailer. 
Uh, Mel Gibson's in, involved with that. Uh, Tony Robbins is a producer. And you're going to see a crazy story, a four-part series early next year, Hidden War. Check it out. All right. Uh, what is it? Spoon Stealing Irishman says... I'm what? under your house. What? I'm in your walls. I cannot be stopped. I will not stop. That's the problem. Your spoons man. were just the beginning. Soon I will take your host chair, and the end game will be in motion. I... Yeah. Do you see this? My hands are right here. There's no way I could have yeah, possibly you typed, typed that. It this earlier. exonerates me. <laughs> yeah. No, it, hold on he a stole second. Stole spoons like four it, days ago. That's He's not true. Under his, I have been falsely accused of stealing spoons from this man and <laughs> hiding them under his house. It's nonsense. Listen, you guys know me. You know I wouldn't do that. Oh, you know I, I know. I wouldn't you. do something like that. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I, I, I'm being maligned. Smeared by the liberal press once again. <laughs> Let's grab some uh, super chat. Saddle effing tramp says, I've been donating monthly since I heard of Tim Ballad and OUR. Seven years now. Tim, you are doing the Lord's work. One question. Who does Tim walk around with those massive steel clankers he has? How does he? Ha 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 ha. That's a good one. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I have Falls to ask steel, though, uh, did you really <laughs> infiltrate a Colombian rebel camp? Okay, so um, we did a podcast on this as well. So the, um, the, the the original script had it where we actually did go, and it was a, a, a camp uh, that was all sorts of kids, slave, sex trafficking. It looked very much like that. It was not in Colombia. It was in another place um, on the border between Dominican Republic and Haiti. Uh, we were, we were uh, accosted with men with guns, gangsters, and machetes. I didn't go by myself. And, and, you know, you've never given me problems. Some of your mm -hmm. executive producers are like, don't tell, mm -hmm. don't, don't ruin the, the illusion. Oh, no, no. That's but, why we say based on a true story. I, always, because, you know, I said, I'll always be honest. I'll always yeah, be honest. But. Based on a true story because, again, <laughs> when you have someone like him who does rescue missions every two weeks, man, and, and he's telling you like 100 stories it, it's, and, and, and the challenges that you have two hours. It's like, brother, there's so many elements. Like, I need to bring elements of, uh, of every single rescue mission so we can tell one story. But uh, re in reality, it, it, it's, it's more dangerous what this guy is going well, through. It, the movie, I mean, because we, this is a poetry, what, we, what Alejandro wrote. It's a poetry with a lot of light and, 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 and darkness, you know, fighting light and dark with the music and everything. We, we, the innocence and the purity of the children, the actors on set, were like, the, these kids, they never knew what this film was about. The parents were there. It was a family em environment. and uh, but Except for the one little girl. You got to tell that story. Yeah, but that the was an accident, brother. I know, but you got to tell that story because well, it's beautiful. You know, the, this is what happened. So we have the parents of the children, the children on, on, the, on this island, and we have like these two coaches. They were like the acting teachers, right? So Alejandro was communicating with them and with their parents to get the emotions. But that day, the two teachers, you know, they, they had to go somewhere else. So they sent a new teacher and a new coach. And Alejandro didn't know about that, the director. So next thing you know, we're doing a very important scene, which is, you know, the scene where they close the curtains. Well, I don't no, want to say, you know, yeah, but I don't want to say a lot, you know, because okay. I don't want spo to yeah. spoil this. But anyway, she, she's supposed to be uh, crying because before that scene, she was abused, sexually abused by, by an adult, right? So then, um, okay, well, let's, let's film. Uh, so Alejandro talked to the coach. So I just want her to cry a little bit. It's going to be just five seconds, 10 seconds, and, and that's it. You know, it's going to be a very simple scene, and that's it. Okay, right, boom. We start filming. First take, Alejandro's like, wow, we have it. Cut. Alejandro's walking to rehearse for the next scene, and he noticed that she's still crying. And she's still crying. He said, should she... 
Alejandro called, you know, he called the coach. Why is she still crying? Oh, well, you told me that you needed like the emotions. Yeah, but this is like 30 minutes later, she's still, she still crying. What happened? Well, I have to tell her that what happened to her, you know, and what? Oh my what God. What do you mean? So she told her that she was abused before. She never heard about these things ever in her life. Wow. She cried for days. We couldn't fire that teacher only because we were in this island where if we fire her, we don't have a coaching for the kids for the next things, right? But man, we got very angry because that, that was the number one rule. The children cannot know what this film is about because we cannot put thoughts in their minds. We need to protect their innocence and their purity on set. It's like if my son is in a movie like this, I want to be with him. I want to read the script. I want to yeah. talk to the director. I want to talk to the director. I want to make sure that his innocence and purity is, is intact, right? And and it was just uh, an accident here. But that scene, when you see that scene, when you see the film again, because when you watch this film for the second time and the third time, it's even better. I have seen the film like a thousand times as a producer, and I cry like every single time, and it, it, it speaks to me in a different way. But that scene breaks my heart because I know I know what it, happened. It was one take, and that's what they used. Is that the yeah. main at girl? The, the main, main yeah, girl. She's so good. Rocio. Yeah, she's amazing. She's great. But when you, when you watch that scene again. In the top. Go back and see the movie again just for that scene, and you're realizing you're seeing real emotion, real, real emotion of a little girl who just found out what she wasn't supposed to know of the role she was actually playing. Let's read this one. Uh, Adolfo says, Tim Ballard, what are your thoughts on the 85,000 kids missing from the USA, USA custody at the border? Do you believe that a significant portion of those children are being trafficked? I absolutely do. I spent 10 years on that border and what the cartels make $14 million a day. They take these kids. Um, Health and Human Services policy, they have to get the kids within like 24 hours once they're there. Um, 85,000 unaccompanied. CBP tells us that thousands of them were under five years old. They, what they do is they, they, they deliver them to Health and Human Services. The little kids come with a name. Sometimes it's bought a safety pin to their shirts or in their pockets. And the name's the sponsor, George Smith, for the phone number. They call that number. Hey, we have little, you know, Jose Gonzalez here. Oh, yeah, yeah, send them to this address. They used to have to come pick them up. And it's easier, it's easier to adopt a cat out of a shelter mm -hmm. than it is to come down and take one of these kids out of, out of the custody of the U.S. government. But now your taxpayer dollars will send the child by plane or bus in what will likely be, or, or many times at least, be the very last leg of a child trafficking event. Because can you imagine this? Imagine if a little child was found in New York City or I don't care where, for uh, you know, D.C., Salt Lake City. That child would be treated like a precious thing that it is. That You're not going to deliver that kid to any person who shows up. There'll be background checks, DNA tests, documents, yep. whole thing. And yet we're not affording the same thing to foreign kids. They like to call Trump like careless or doesn't care about the foreign kids or whatever. Well, what are you doing? You care nothing about these kids to let them be released without any kind of background check just to whoever claims them. And that's the reality of what's going on. And I'll remind you, the United States is the number one consumer of child sex material. So this not, it's not a safe place for kids to disappear. Mm -hmm. My friend Jorge Ventura gave me this. He was on the border. This was in Trejas. There you go. It's I know exactly around, what that is. Yeah. This is number 4,186 yeah. wrapped around a kid. Kids' little wrist. Unbelievable. This is let, this let is just, slavery. This is this is branding for slavery mm -hmm. to identify kids, to, to count them, and keep track of them. And you see the exchange with Senator Cruz and and, and Secretary Mayorkas, where he, he Senator Cruz brought these bracelets. He says, and, he, and Mayorkas says, I've never, I don't have no idea what you're talking about. Wow. Cruz, wow. I talked to Cruz later about it. He says, I I was shocked. 
I thought for sure he was going to know about it, and I was going to talk to him about it. He's like, I don't even know what you're, I don't even know what that is. Like, how do you, this is the, the brand of slavery. This is the, this is the sign of slavery. Mm-hmm. And you know, and the, I think that the fake IDs too. I think we have one of those. Yeah. Do you know? Oh yeah. How, how, like, what time is it right now? For example, nine forty-five. So, what time we started this this interview? Eight. So it's like almost yeah. two hours. So, almost. Yeah. Um, seven children disappear in Mexico. Right now, in this interview. Every 20 minutes, one more, and then another one, and another one, and another one. 57 a day, 21,000 a year. This is official numbers from the government. I think that's, that's a lot more. I read a, I read a story out of, uh, I think it was Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. It may have been further south. And it was, uh, it was on Reddit. Some woman said that she was at a, a bar with her boyfriend and two of their friends. And they were all drinking, have a good time. They got pretty drunk. And she's like, I think she said she was early 20, early 20s. They walk outside and she's, I think what the story was that she was texting on her phone and her boyfriend and his two friends were about 10 feet in front of her laughing and, you know, joking and stuff. She's lagging behind when a car pulls up, they pop the door open, run out, grab her and try and pull her into the car. She screams, her boyfriend and the friends run back, grab the door, grab her leg as the car tries speeding off and they pull her out. Wow. And uh, apparently there's tons of stories like this. People don't realize because they don't make the press. Well, like in the movie, we have real footage. Real footage the of that. the beginning of the movie, just like that. And it's, 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 it's really horrifying, man. Is it mostly that, just off the street? Sorry to interrupt. If you no, it's just like one of, one of them is like kids are playing outside. A car pulls up, snatches a kid, and the other kids are just like, what do we do? Yeah. That's crazy, is man. That, is it like the majority of the disappearances are kids just being snatched off the street, or is it... Sometimes, but you know what? Sometimes they just do it in your own house, you know? They, 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 their innocence and their purity are being stolen forever when your kid is having a smartphone and start talking to strangers, yep. to another kid who is being kidnapped by someone else, and they use him as a hook to connect with your child. Next thing you know, they start... Uh, that happened to my niece in Mexico the other day. My cousin calls me, Eduardo, your niece... I mean, I'm, I've been following you and because of, of the whole movement, now I'm like more alert as a parent, you know, and I, I noticed that she was acting weird, you know, my daughter, uh, she's eight years old, eight years old, and she happens to be for the last six months, she was, she was talking to these strangers and she was sharing pictures of her, of, you know, of her body. I mean, if she wouldn't cut her on time, God knows what, what next. What will happen next? You know, meet me in the corner, you know? So, I mean, the whole message of Son of Freedom is for parents too. You need to pay attention to your children. You need to protect your children. You, you know, you just, you need to watch what they're watching. You need to, to observe what they're watching on the internet. There's apps out there where you can actually see what they're looking at so you can control mm. them. You need to be present. Uh, um, because you know the other day my, even my sister the, eight years ago when she noticed that uh, that I, you know, she told me what's the next project and I said well you know this movie about child trafficking I don't, I don't want to know I don't want to know I don't want to know I said Daniela if, it, if someone needs to know is you because you have children and they are the target you need to know the more information the more prevention what do you mean what do you mean and now she's like a lion like she's like protecting her children she's a volunteer she's an ambassador of freedom so Parents, they need to know that this is real. This is not in Bangladesh, Thailand, you know, far away. This is next door. This is everywhere and it's growing because of child pornography. You know, there's a lot of new clients because they get hooked with pornography. Next thing you know, they're looking at child pornography. Now they're addicted and now they want the real deal. This uh, this is interesting. Beatriz Urena says they have censored the movie in Colombia. They won't allow it to show. Have you heard that? 
Uh, no, but we're going to show it. After the success in the United States, no one can stop this movement. It's going to be in Mexico, August 31st, and then the rest of Latin America. It's going to be everywhere. No one can stop this. It's too late. The right movement on. is growing big time. Gigi Izzy asks, was making it PG-13 an intentional choice? Because I absolutely love the fact that it's not too explicit and that it can reach a wider audience. Yeah, of course. That was the whole goal. We want everyone to watch this movie. Um, the integrity and the purity of the film is, 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 is right there so everyone can see it and it, it can be digestible, you know? The first part of the movie is the problem. The second part of the movie is the solution and the hope because we want people to live with hope. Yes, tears because this is real, but with hope, okay, I, I want to do something. I, I want to join the army. I will do something. And, I, and I, again, as I said before, I hope they will ask themselves, what can I do? Well, the first thing they need to do is just tell everyone what you saw in the movie. Tell more people to go and see the movie because if the movie continues with this success, then the media, secular media, mainstream media, everybody is obligated to talk about the success of the film, more important about the topic of the film. And then millions of people will hear about this and then there's no more excuses of, oh, I didn't know. Now you know. What are you going to do about it? Do you think that parents should bring their kids if they're 13 and up? Or is that just like a parent-by-parent parent Well, that's, a you know, 13 up. I think 13, 13 up. I think they should because you're not going to see anything that you have to cover your eyes or you have to cover the eyes of your kid. Nothing. I make movies. I made that promise to God one day, and I made a promise to my mother and to my father. 20 years ago, when I promised to God that I will never use my talents to do anything that would offend my faith, my family, or my Latino culture. After I made that promise, I ended up not working for four years, and I just I lost everything. And that's why I became a producer, because as an actor, I was, I was tired of waiting for a role that would portray a man as a real man. So I was led to open a production company so I can have the power to control the message. And I told my mother, you know, I made, I'm, I'm going to make a promise to you that every film that Alejandro Monteverde and I will do, you don't, you don't have to cover your eyes in any scene. You can watch everything. And, and I've been, uh, you know, faithful to that promise. My first movie was Bella, then Little Boy, now Sound of Freedom. And even this Sound of Freedom movie, as hard as it is, as heavy as it is, it's a poetry that everyone can see it, and you don't have to cover your eyes in any scene. Sweet Potato Night says, will there be a Blu-ray DVD, Sound of Freedom Director's Cut Extended Edition? Eventually, yes. Because, you know, the, the, when, when COVID, when, when this pandemia, pandemic, I don't know how to say it in English. Oh, pandemic, that movie? Pandemia, no, when the COVID hit. Oh, when COVID? Yeah. Pandemic. Pandemic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In, in Spanish, we call it pandemia. It was planned. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> it's, it's a joke. But um, when theaters were closed, right? Remember? And then when they opened, the theaters was only 20%. Yeah. So we thought, forget about theaters. Let's talk about, you know, uh, platform release, right? So the original cut was then two hours, 35 minutes, because you can launch movies like that in platforms and you don't have to like, you know, the one hour, 45 minutes or two hours rule for theaters. So we have a cut that is one hour, I mean, two hours, 35 minutes. That is like a meditation, man. It's a meditation. And of course, we want to launch that later. I actually thought, I wondered if you were going to have it for streaming, like 10 bucks for to download it from your website, but there was something special about being in the theater. Jim even talked oh, about it at course, the end man. of the movie. I mean, like I, I remember the, the vision of seeing the people in front of me as we're talking about it. I can feel them. You know why? Because you have to understand, that's why movies are so, so, so amazing and, and so important when you are watching a movie in a theater. This is a big room with a big screen. 
it's all dark, no distractions, no cell phones, no nothing. And for two hours, you're going to open your heart and the director is going to tell you something. That's why it's so dangerous, though, because when the director is, he wants to manipulate you and give you the wrong message, it can have a huge impact in your life, too. And then you leave confused. But when you use it for, you know, with truth, you change people's lives. I mean, you inspire people. And that's, that's my goal, to inspire people so they can leave the theater inspired, like... I wanna, I wanna become a hero, and 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 that's the most beautiful thing when you when you hear testimonies of people like your movie changed my life, your movie now, your movie inspired me to protect my children. I hug my children. I want to spend more time with them. It feels amazing, brother. All right, let's grab some more. Yeah. Let's see. There's one we we did. Mike Spencer, shout out. We did ask about why it took so long to make the movie, but that's your super chat, so we do appreciate it. Atherin Zala says the movie was great and reminded me of Proof of Life. I was wondering if you are going, uh, if you going into the jungle to uh, near the end of the film was true, and do you think that part might put doctors doing that in any danger? So uh, we did. We just addressed this a little bit, but mm -hmm. I, I was thinking it'd be a good uh, chance to clarify the, the the camp you did go to. First, I guess uh, it was not in Colombia. You did go to a camp. Did you go, did you go to more than one? Was this like a common thing you had done? We've we've that that yeah that tactic's been used. A few, uh, uh, enough times that we won't use it again anyway. Um, there's certain places on the planet that you just can't, you, you, it's like the film depicts, you know, that you can't get into. But I didn't go alone. You know, I had several people with me, but we did pose as that. Um, yeah, in terms of, would that put doctors at, at, at risk? Because they, they think that they go in there, they think they might be a, someone who's there to, to, to do them harm. To good, it's... I mean, of course it's dangerous. I mean, what we're doing is dangerous too. I mean, we don't have to go to the jungle. What we're doing right now, just going into Mexico, showing this movie in 32 states, telling the people this is real and we're going to end it, is dangerous because when you are confronting, when you're fighting with this more than $150 billion industry, that's a, it's not a small thing, right? But you know what? Yes, it's dangerous, but it's more dangerous not to do it in the long term. And as I said before, you, we're going to die one day. And you know what? My prayer, uh, my prayer every day to God is, okay, when, when is my time? When you knock at my door and it's time to go, uh, please find me working for you. And I, and I feel that we're working for, for God by saving children. That's why I always say God's children are not for sale. And that's my motivation every day to wake up and to give my life for, for a cause, for a mission, for something that is bigger than myself. Kim McCursey says, it ain't much, Timbo, but please, if possible, forward these super chat funds to Tim Ballard's cause. Thanks. Uh, I'll one-up that. I will, I will donate all of the chat revenue to the, uh, to the Spear. Is that the Spear the Fund? Spear yes. Fund, the best way to put it? Yes. And I'll put 10000 towards the pay it forward for the film. God bless Thank you. Thank so, you so much. When we're wrapping up. Yeah. Easy, e easy, easy for me to do. Easy yeah. for me to say. It's not that, you know, I don't, like, we can do it. We're going to do it. Let me tell you why this is so important. There's a lot of families that are listening to interviews that they have four children, five, five children. They cannot afford to bring everyone to the experience because Sound of Freedom is a cinematic, cinematic experience, right? That you cannot see that on TV or on, on, on social media. Film is different. Film changes your life, right? So because of your generosity, your generosity, thousands of people will go and see the film for free. And we're saving lives right there. 
and the movement is growing and more people in media are talking about the success of the film so you put pressure we're going to show the movie and on the 25th brother on the capitol hill can you imagine that that's powerful because you're going to have congress from both sides republicans and democrats right they're going to see the film and then a panel with jim tim and myself can you imagine moving the hearts of the most important decision makers in the world who are living here in washington dc this is a huge opportunity you know the only reason why they're doing that the only reason why they're doing that is because of the success of the film i mean we can change the world if more people see this film we're competing with mission impossible right now and you know what as much as i like tom cruise and mission impossible that movie won't save lives sound of freedom is changing the culture is saving lives and it's inspiring so many people to become ambassadors of freedom. So thank you for your generosity. And I hope a lot of people that are listening to this interview, this podcast, they go right now when this interview finished to angel.com slash freedom, angel.com slash freedom and pay it forward. So somebody I, else can see the movie for free because of your generosity. I should have said this at the start of the show, but uh, uh, I will elaborate too. So the way it works, we have this uh, meter here on YouTube that shows us the total amount of Super Chats that came in during the show. What happens is YouTube takes 35%. We get the rest. Forget the 35%. The total number that's there, I'm going to donate to your, uh, your organization. You. And then 10000 towards the paid for for people to be able to watch this movie, to be oh, able to go see it if they can. It. And yes. so uh, now everyone's dumping in the Super Chats. And that was the, the intended... Position. So basically, I'll cover that 35% cut that YouTube takes to make sure the full amount of the chat revenue goes to your organization. We're currently at $3,600. And uh, we're gonna, we'll wrap up the show from here because we're going to go to the members-only portion of the show over at TimCast.com. So as we're closing out, if you'd like to contribute the Super Chats, I will immediately, as we're on the members-only, I will be making that contribution in the full amount of all of our Super Chat revenue plus the donation to the movie. Because I, I, we, you know, we've been talking about doing this thing where we give $10,000 every month to someone engaged in a cultural effort that's going to be a positive impact. Mm -hmm. I won't consider this that. We'll still try and find someone that we can give, you know, uh, who needs the money to get their project going, but wow. I will absolutely wow. see to it that, uh, you know, we'll do that because... Um, see, you guys, you're, you're the guys, you're, you're the movement. You're changing uh, culture because we, we, did, we did our part, you know, we, all, we made a movie, but without the people, without you... We go nowhere. So it's amazing how we're coming together. And I believe that together we will end this nightmare. We will bring freedom to the children that are not free right now. I just realized a mistake with everything I was just saying. I, I can't give the total amount of super chats to your organization because people could just do that on their own. They could literally just go to your organization and make that donation. I'm going to double it. Whatever you guys do in super chats, by the end of the show, I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to match it. Oh, super chats are flying in. Right, super well, chat. I was just thinking, I was Say like, why, cool. why, why should I wow. ask people to give me money for my show and then just give it to you when they could do that themselves? I'll, I'll match it one for Thank one. Thank you so much, man. No, easy, Thank easy for me go. to do. Oh, look at that guy. I yeah. know. Look at this, Let's man. People, that, those are the ambassadors <laughs> of freedom, right there, brother. I'm gonna match it 100. That's the movement. That's. You think they're gonna stop this Amazing. movement? Who's gonna stop this movement, brother? Nobody. Nobody. I I want to say uh, we we gotta go to the members only, and I want to say one final thing before we do the outros and uh, give people an opportunity to send in those Super Chats. I will match them. The Timoteo scene in that film, mm. it made me feel something indescribable. I call it divine intervention, but it, 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 it's indescribable. 
that that moment where you rescue a kid who gives you a name tag with your own name on it. I, I have no words for what, but for me, it's it makes me believe that everything we're doing is it has a purpose, mm -hmm. has a reason. We are here for something bigger, bigger than us, something better than us, that will make everything better, that will improve things, that will lead us to uh, whatever whatever the plan is. We are instruments of it. The work you guys have done. So, thank you so much for what you're doing, guys. Timcast.com, become a member. We have that members only show coming up in a minute. But if you guys want to shout anything out as we wrap up, Tim, just just gratitude. Thank you guys so much. I can't believe that there's this many people. The silent majority has has, has risen. I never thought, I never dreamed it would happen, but I have hope. For the first time, I have hope that we could actually make an enormous impact in the fight against child slavery. Gratitude is how we felt, and um, you know, I'm from Mexico. I'm I'm Catholic. I believe in the power of prayer. Um, I want to ask permission. Can I say Hail Mary for all the kids around the world? Absolutely. Please. In nombre del Padre, del Hijo, y del Espíritu Santo. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, Pray for us. En el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amen. Que viva la libertad. Amen. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm your film's an inspiration. It was an amazing film. I was entertained. I was moved. This has been uh, uh, amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Uh, Seamus, you want to shout? You want to say anything as we? Yeah, I mean, up? I I want to shout out everything that you guys are doing. And uh, Tim, you've been very humble in saying things like, "Oh, the storytellers are the people starting the movement, and we're part of this movement." And I do believe there's power uh, in story. But, sir, what you are what you are doing and what you are saying about yourself is it's such a a massive understatement. You have changed so many lives, and to go after just one lost child is such a beautiful imitation of Christ. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for being that example uh, in the world. And I, I want to thank you for all of the work you're doing and the work that you've done. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Of course. People are going to follow you guys on Twitter. We got at Tim Ballard. We have at E. Berastigui. Yeah. E? No, I mean, uh, in, in, in English, I'm sorry. Uh, e. Verastigi. Let me spell that out. It's E-V-E-R-A-S-T. E-G-U-I. There you go. E. Verastegui. On a side note, Tim, someone told me that you work with uh, Tim Kennedy or have in the past. Is that true? Have you ever worked with Tim Kennedy before? No. Someone told me a no. lie. Well, maybe you will in the future. I love that man. He went over to Afghanistan during the surrender and was pulling people out uh, over the course of a week and uh, just freaking inspiration after oh. inspiration, man. Thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you. Let's um, make America and Mexico free again. Together we're stronger. I would love, uh, I fully agree. And last thing, of course, it's spearfund.org and uh, ourrescue.org. Um, all right, let's move this along. Serge, you've been the man tonight. Yeah, I, uh, Tim is calling in. You guys are destroying the chat revenue. It's sweet. <laughs> That's great to see. Oh, I'm good. watching this whole like right in front of me. Um, that was really heavy. I've been trying to see the film this week, but I've been moving, so it's been a little bit difficult for me to get it in, in between everything edgewise. But uh, I will be seeing it on Saturday, so appreciate Excellent. it, guys. Thank Cheers. All right. Uh, Not important. It's all good. This is going to wrap up the live portion of the show as we go to the members only. And 
when I said I would uh, give you the super chat revenue, we had three thousand dollars in super chats. We now have twenty one thousand dollars in super <laughs> wow. chats. So uh, wow. I'm going to click end stream, and we're going to go to timcast.com. <laughs> but uh, I just asked uh, my girlfriend to bring up a personal check, so I'm be writing you guys a check for forty two thousand dollars. Wow! Wow! God bless you. <laughs> at least because so still at, super at, chatting. At, at least because now it's forty four thousand. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to timcast.com. Uh, this has been amazing. We'll see you guys over there. Thanks for hanging out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.